You better be listening to Slezoids or I must break you. Beneath the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels, unfit for anything human. Unauthorized for anything experimental. Body is nothing to be afraid of. He's suave. He's charming. <laughs> He's different. Well, he eats people. I guess that could be interpreted as personality quirk. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Next week we're talking our boy John Travolta. And we're grabbing our dancing shoes, and I think we're actually getting a little sad about it, too. So join the sleeves. It's going to be nice. Yes, uh, we decide on all the official <laughs> ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Uh, Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we are in our sixth year of bonus episodes. Last I checked, it's like 130-plus Patreon episodes, as well as our bonus transmission series, which we're up to almost 50 of at this point, where we talk about new release genre films. And we just did a real big one uh, on Bo is Afraid and the new Evil Dead. So if you're interested in that, patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, definitely uh, recommend and making that jump and speaking of which uh, we did have a lot of people make the jump that we're going to give their shout outs to this week so Beautiful. forgive me I got to go a little quickly uh, we have Joe Switak we have Egri Kitlata we have Ben B Hideous Conk uh, Matt uh, also I want to point out that last I think two weeks ago I said we haven't had a silly one that has taken advantage of the fact that I have to read out your name on air, and I just wanted to preface what I'm about to say. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big <laughs> butt, and my butt smells, and I like to kiss my own butt. Thank you oh, for the $5 pledge. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome aboard. We... We had uh, Jack Ryan Reynolds, we had Casey White, we had Andrew Davis, we had Tom Reed actually upgrade from the $5 a month to an entire year of the show in advance, so thanks to Tom Reed, and reminder, anyone can do that. If you'd like a reduced uh, rate overall, you can get a year of the show in advance. Um, we had Donovan Luz, we had Gaming Ninja 63, we had Sophie, uh, we had uh, Daniela, we had Kristen Zermano, uh, we had Nicholas Pasiokos, who signed up for, or upgraded from $5 a month to $10 a month and is joining us for the monthly virtual screening, which we do on the last Thursday of any given month. We just did Sam Raimi's Quick and the Dead. It was mm-hmm. a fun time with everyone who, uh, who showed up, so look into it. We also had uh, Slavisa Jessic sign up, Mick Wisen, um, David uh, Poonton, uh, Laura Lynn Tullis, uh, Aiden, Nathan Wilson, and last but not least, Dan, who also signed up for an entire year of the show. So thanks so much to all of you folks. Hope you're enjoying those, uh, enjoying those bonus episodes, and we really appreciate the support. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's the one plug for the week. The other plug, as always, is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening on either one of those platforms, you can give us a good old rating and review over there. Uh, it helps us climb the ranks and find new listeners. Uh, so we appreciate that support as well. And then the very last plug is merch. If you like the poster art that based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for our show, you can get that put on basically anything that you can think of. A notebook, a pillow, a hoodie, just a poster. I'm looking at one right now in my 
room. Uh, you can uh, find that at a link in the description as well as over at sleezoidspodcast.com for anyone interested in that. But uh, that is it for the intro. Welcome back to another week. As always, I am your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me also, as always, is my co-host. Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. I think uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time you folks over on the main feed would have uh, heard from us, and we would have had our annual uh, episode with good friend of the podcast author and filmmaker Perry uh, Ruland. Uh, and we, as most people familiar with Perry will know that we always have him on to show us the most fucked up shit he could possibly find for us. Uh, he has introduced us to Shinya Tsukamoto very early on in the show and has since upgraded, uh, to things like Midori, which was a movie (laughs) so disgusting that it had TikTok teens taking the challenge (laughs) <laughs> on who could literally how far can you make it through it before you get to someone stomping on a dog um <laughs> so last or two weeks ago uh we had him back on to talk about some more extreme japanese cinema and we specifically talked about japanese pinku filmmakers the softcore erotica filmmakers who uh, upgraded into making very graphic um, and underground snuff film horror. And that was with a double feature of Toshuharu uh, Akita's Evil Dead Trap from 1988, which is the closest I've seen Japanese horror or slasher get to Argento or Fulci energy, mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of the way that it, uh, the, the, the colors used and the score, especially. Yeah, with the rock music and metal while you're doing a serial killer chase. I say it all the time, but I love it. It's just and yeah, having having vibe. eyes get popped like egg yolk. Yeah, it's a wonderful time. So yeah, we talked about really that with Perry stuff, alongside yeah, of course. Uh Hisa Yasu Sato's celluloid nightmares, the infamous director of uh, Splatter, Naked Blood, and all kinds of other films, who is still a Pinku filmmaker to this day. Um, and uh, always managed to make extremely gory horror films within the context of being like, well, the producers gave me money as long as there's five sex scenes. Um, and people are licking each other's underwear. I can put whatever else I want in the movie. So, uh, we had a great time talking about both of those with Perry. That was, uh, two weeks ago. So I haven't heard that. Go back, uh, over on the main feed, go check it out. Uh, but last week over on the Patreon exclusively for you guys, we did the, uh, patron voted episode. Cause once every two months, we let you folks on the Patreon nominate the double feature and vote for which one you want to hear us talk about the most. And last week without even coordinating with Perry, we actually had some crossover. We talked about uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse from 2001, uh, talking about more Japanese horror and sort of like video horror, although this definitely had an early internet age kind of vibe to it that the 80s films did not. Um, but it ended up kind of working well with some of the uh, techno horror anxieties of those films. And we paired it with Olivier S.A.S.'s very postmodern lo-fi cyber punk espionage film about anime porn called (laughs) demon lover from (laughs) 2002 uh which uh yeah there was there was a lot of alienation and loneliness and horniness and violence over the internet last week over on the patreon feed for those interested yeah yeah it's fantastic i mean in, in pulse quite literally a uh one of the ghost sounds as it approaches you is the dial up internet sound so <laughs> terrifying stuff <laughs> i was scared for sure uh so if you haven't heard that episode patreon.com slash these always podcasts for anyone interested but uh but moving on to this week here to uh lighten us up after a few weeks of horrible <laughs> snuff imagery and existential crises <laughs> over the internet we 
We have a very special guest joining us for the first time, completing our mission um, to get the last <laughs> remaining host of the wonderful We Hate Movies podcast who has somehow managed to evade us during our five-year tenor on this show. That guest is uh, Andrew Jupin. Andrew, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. I'm going to need a watch list for all that stuff. <laughs> you, you I already fell as we're links. talking about. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's uh, you guys have had a hell of a few weeks. Good, yes, uh, we have. goodness, We've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, no. As, as soon to, as you uh, pitched what you were pitching, I was like, "Thank God." I mean, they've mm-hmm. been wonderful films, but I was like, my headspace. I was in a weird spot for a little yeah. while there. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's good to good to get to away from the dark and get a little stupid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and Andrew, we are we are very excited to have you. I had an absolute blast bringing uh, Stone Cold over to your oh. guys' show last year. Oh, hell yes. Um, and uh, when we finally got to meet in in uh, person, when you guys did your Saw Four live show that you guys did in Toronto, we went out for drinks. We were like, "Man, how hasn't Andrew been on our show yet?" I was looking at all these guys, and they were all like, "Yeah, we, you know, we've all been on his show, like, you know, just bragging about it, like right in front of me, right in front of you." It was Real rude. rude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we were like, "What was going on there?" And uh, we are finally here to rectify the, uh, that this week. And as it goes on our show, we have the guests uh, come on and program the double feature. Uh, so, Andrew, what did you bring with you this week, and why did you pick them? Uh, so, I brought with me a double dose of Chud. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> by that, I mean 1984's Douglas Cheek-directed Chud, uh, which stands for Cannibal- Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dweller. Uh, and then also, uh, in part two, the total genre 180, Chud 2, Bud the Chud, uh, <laughs> which is... Uh, Unlike the first movie, which is a dirty-ass, disgusting, you know, early to mid-80s New York City horror movie, which is why I I love it so dear, uh, Chud 2, Bud the Chud is a garbage zombie comedy that is, like, clearly filmed in California, but is supposed to be sort of, like, any town USA and couldn't be farther from the magic of Douglas Cheek's Chud. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And well, and also, and we'll we'll get into it when we get to it, but they just they completely abandoned half the name. They are not they are, don't live in the sewers and they don't dwell anywhere. Like they just no. they the stop, design of them. <laughs> the design, the motivation, Everything. the look. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. Um, but the reason I, I picked these was so, you know, We Hate Movies started out as sort of like, you know, a bad movie podcast. And, you know, mm. we've grown from there, but that's where the roots started. And, you know, my um, love of trash cinema goes back to, you know, when I was in middle school, one of my uncles, you know, would come over to the house, you know, mow the lawn, do chores for he and, he and my aunt. And then he would take me to the video store. And this dude loved all sorts of just garbage movies. And... I actually saw these movies out of order because he had been like talking up, oh, Chud, Chud, Chud. I have to show you Chud. We go to the video store. Chud, literally, totally unavailable. But Chud 2, two VHS copies. Uh, Figure that out. (laughs) Let's go. Um, So I saw Chud 2, Bud the Chud first. And then later on, whenever it was, um, I think Anchor Bay put out a DVD of Chud. And I bought it immediately, like sight unseen. And was like, oh, this is way better and way more... Way more my speed. But yeah, so like, I don't know, probably since like, what would that have been? Like eighth grade or something like that? Huge 
chud fanatic here. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Well, that's, that's awesome. that. I mean, it's very cool. We're gonna have someone who has kind of like a like a like a history with the movies, and I do think honestly it would benefit anyone watching for the first time to maybe even do the uh, reverse Jupin order. On, that's right. <laughs> on on yeah. chuds, because you might even go, oh man, wow, this this first one is really moody and really you know grotesque. You know? <laughs> it's so grotesque. It is so grotesque. Uh, in yeah. all the best ways, including uh, Daniel Stern's shirt, um, <laughs> John Hurd's shirt, uh, the, like the clothes in, in that shot. I mean, they filmed it in New York City, uh, you know, right where it's set, you know, dirty ass Soho, 1984. Uh, in the summer, they're like sweating their asses off. This Everyone is just disgusting in this movie <laughs> yeah. because they're all exactly. sweating. It's like July or August or whatever. So like the like the pitting out and just like the back sweat that you can see on the screen, magnificent grotesquerie. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's as, uh, I think that's as good as any intros we're going to get. So I think we, uh, we're going to leave it right there and we're going to jump into it. Let's start things uh, off with Chud. The dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. All right, we are talking Chud, the 1984 American science fiction creature horror film written by one Parnell Hall and directed by Douglas Cheek and a, a very interesting combination of uh, pulp mystery novel writer <laughs> and TV documentary editor. Maybe not exactly <laughs> yeah. the combination you would expect uh, for, you know, making kind of like a, you know, something of a cult 80s horror film. And the stuff um, he was editing any- is like alien autopsy, fact or fiction. So I yes, just, he, I definitely, he definitely edited that. I fucking love that because I only found that out kind of recently because, I mean, I'm not particularly tooling around on Douglas Cheek's IMDb page. <laughs> but uh, it was just crazy because I remembered like watching that when it aired uh, oh, wow. I was also an oddly like I, there's so much stupid stuff like that is important to me from around that time. And that was one of them, man, because I was like a huge X-Files kid, too. So you better believe Alien mm. Autopsy Factor Fiction. I was right there. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. I think I, I might have seen it like in, in passing because I do remember seeing some type of documentary involving that, you know, that footage of the supposed autopsy and all of that. But uh, yeah, I had no idea it was yeah. directed uh or, or connected to the director of Judd or anything like that. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's even Small a scene in this world. that's kind of like an autopsy scene. Looks like he could have been preparing <laughs> a little bit for it, you know? You, you, know? you think he was, like, uh, like giving notes to the director? You're like, you know, when I made Chud, uh, <laughs> yeah. there was a... Bit of a, a bit of an autopsy scene in that film, and uh, what yeah. I did. Yeah, do you want to <laughs> rack focus from the corpse to the wide-eyed man looking at the corpse? That'd be pretty cool in this documentary. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, for anyone who maybe hasn't seen Chud, the uh, loose log line here is that it is about, uh, I mean, it's a couple of different characters, but one of the main characters is a New York City police officer named Captain Bosch. Maybe not the Bosch. Everyone is familiar with TV's Bosch, but it is another <laughs> Captain Bosch in New York. He's my and- preferred Bosch. I'll just say that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and he teams up with a uh, homeless shelter manager um, to investigate essentially a series of disappearances um, and discover that the missing people have been killed by these humanoid monsters that live in the sewers. And it is uh, stylistically done as almost like a kind of like a dirty 80s urban anxiety update on something like a 50s monster B movie almost yeah. like I mm-hmm. was thinking a little bit of like what if invaders from Mars uh you know were actually just radioactive mutant homeless people you kind of get half of the way there to what you're going to be watching mm-hmm. um <laughs> but you you also have you know kind of like a, a a wonderful collaboration between a bunch of different kind of you know actors who are going for it you've got John Hurd in this who's come up on the show a few times uh in things like after hours or snake eyes or cat people um and obviously most known for probably home alone which is you know a lot of people will point out is funny because daniel stern also from home alone is pretty significant in this film and those two guys kind of are the two main guys um other than uh captain bosch who's also involved here but um you know you've also got the cinematographer from pet cemetery uh you've got ridley scott's editor uh, <laughs> cutting this thing together, this like little like you know creature movie that probably more closely resembles the work of like Frank Henenlotter or Larry Cohen than it does anything Ridley Scott's ever made in his yeah, life. Definitely, <laughs> everybody's got to start somewhere, man. <laughs> that that's right. And uh, so yeah, I, this was um uh, I had seen this once when I was very very little, but I did not really remember it. So this was basically almost like a first time watch, and it was kind of cool coming into it, you know, having seen so much of the stuff that came out around it things like Mm -hmm. basket case we've covered on the show it's alive um other bad taste 80s b movies i thought about were like street trash about the body horror Mm -hmm. of uh disintegrating and exploding homeless people talking about the anxiety there um i will never forget that scene where someone cuts off a homeless dude's dick and they start playing monkey in the middle with it in that scene oh yeah uh, in that movie uh... I, I honestly want to rewatch that movie. I've thought I've thought about we, it since we've <laughs> watched it like years ago. We did ago. that in like the first year of the show, so yeah. it's been quite a while now. Yeah, um, I think that deserves it. It was on Shudder for a while. And yeah, that's mm. it's that's another real magical experience. Just the uh, multicolor a- of people melting too and all yes. that. Like it's just oh, it man. is a quite a wild movie. <laughs> I'm such a sucker for these kinds of movies though, like New York at this time on location shit like i don't know like liquid sky is another one that's like uh you know and all like the big ones obviously like clute and dog day and shit like that but like obviously warriors but like cue the winged serpent you know any any movie like showing this town at its worst (laughs) i am obsessed with and grimiest (laughs) just yeah just the absolute worst like another uh what's that movie Oh shit! Like Escape the Bronx, nineteen ninety or something like that. Another, oh, I still haven't seen that, but I've been another, meaning like, to. Yeah, like just you could do like really on the cheap post-apocalyptic shit because like the Bronx had literally fallen down. You know, like there's. <laughs> I mean, just all of those fucking burned out buildings. Yeah, from it like, was the New York version of the neorealists shooting in the <laughs> aftermath of World War Two. You know. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Like I do really yeah, like the no, no, initial, this, uh, this totally fits in line with that those movies. Yeah, I know. do really like the initial mood even. It's got I mean, it's got the big eighties synth score, really thick synths in this, uh in the in yes. like the opening title sequence. 
Um, and I do really like the look of it. Like it's got, uh, you just get an opening shot on an empty street. You know, th there's puddles and you can see all the reflections. It is actually quite nice to look at. And it does this kind of like camera pan down as a woman um, walks a dog and you see the steam coming out of the manhole and it just everything looks pretty dirty and soaking wet. And then, you know, when you get the actual look of the the creatures, they're also equally as goopy. And a lot of the time they're presenting them as like... Um, uh, very close up. They they don't. They they show them a couple times with like the full body eventually, but a lot of it is these just like big close oh, it's just ups. Just a of slimy them gremlin and, arm yeah. reaching out of a manhole, like just like on the poster of it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. But the mood is there, and and I did like this uh, this opening atmosphere, and and as soon as the girl gets taken into the the manhole, the big title card pops up. It's it's a good mm -hmm. little opening. I was surprised that it almost had like a little bit of like an expensive looking crane shot. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure it was like a full, like totally. it's a full drop down and it, everything. And yeah, and I was also surprised too that one, it's a woman and her dog going for a midnight stroll on an empty street like that. I was a little concerned for her safety just in, in general before yeah, there was a manhole. In, in yeah. Soho in like <laughs> 1984 New York. Yeah, probably not. This movie, um, this movie was a real family affair in a way because that woman at the opening there is Lori Matos, uh, wife of Daniel Stern at the time and to this day. Oh, oh yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, she was just she was she was there and they were like, <laughs> they were they like, were hey, like, hey. We, we need a girl to get eaten in the opening scene, but also we kind of weirdly enough actually make her more important because she ends up being Bosch's wife. No, his the his wife that's coming. Yeah, but yeah, doesn't totally. she also now, th don't they they use her for the the introduction and then I'm not sure if they finds her again until they find the head. I thought that's what no. eventually yeah. happens. Right. Yeah. So they needed so her head that's for a actually, plaster. So Jamie, you just answered a question I was about to ask you guys because there is uh, there are two cuts of this movie and mm. we all watched the extended one because the yeah. theatrical integral cut. cut. Yes, I took the name the literally. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that uh, the head find isn't in the theatrical cut and oh, so like oh. one of the so eventually in this movie parts, all of a sudden honestly. It's a gr it's great. You're like on the yeah. disgusting river, you know, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but like, if you just watch the theatrical cut, it makes no sense why Bosch is like totally like fucking sullen at the end of the movie. You have mm -hmm. no clue like that his wife was fat, like he saw his like wife's decapitated head and whatever. Um, so yeah, you don't yeah. have that shock to be like, what has happened to this guy off screen? Jesus. And yeah, honestly, totally. a lot of this is like very... Um like kind of it, strangely slow and procedural at times. And mm -hmm. so when you have those moments, especially that one, when it's this very gross looking like rotting head, like they even add the fact that it's probably been in the lake for a few days and everything. Um, it, it is kind of shocking actually, especially just compared to everything else, which is very much, much more campy. Um, and this one seems like a, just a, a small moment into this glimpse of like a really gritty detective film for a second. Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Which also does serve the look, though, as as Andrew mm -hmm. was putting it, because just just I mean, a lot of movies of this era just naturally benefited from this look. We've talked about mm -hmm. Frank Henenlotter films a lot, yep. Larry Cohen films, Abel Ferreira films a lot, too, totally. which is something, you know, that I didn't think exactly. But I was like, you know, what, as soon as this was about a frustrated artist living in his, uh, you know, his New York apartment, I was like, you know, there's a little driller killer in there. You could put, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but just all of those movies got a boost in atmosphere from just how naturally filthy everything looked. 
the grime, mm. the graffiti, the trash everywhere. I was I literally laughed out loud that one of the earliest shots in this film is just a street sweeper collecting collecting garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it was like a slow, moody beat over images of it collecting garbage. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. This is like the cartoon version of watching like an Abel Ferreira film. Like just <laughs> there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, we are, you know, once we're kind of set into the vibe a little bit with that opening kill, with the, you know, the kind of look of the city that, that we've been seeing, um, we are eventually introduced to a, a very weary, sleeveless tea-wearing uh, <laughs> fashion photographer named George, played by John Hurd, who uh, lives with his model girlfriend, Lauren, played by Kim Greist, uh, who we yeah, talked Kim about Greist. once before on Manhunter, but she's obviously also in Brazil. Yeah. Um, and uh, both of them, or I guess more him is uh he he's tired of shooting these crass perfume uh, uh you know <laughs> advertising photos of his you know of his naked girlfriend and he is trying to you know what a terrible life um and uh <laughs> he's trying to uh pivot towards being a real fulfilling artist which to him is uh, a project where he just shoots the new york's homeless population well, so here's the thing this guy this fucking photographer man he is like the kid who went away to college for one semester and comes back for thanksgiving and is just talking a blue streak about whatever class they took subject like they're an expert <laughs> this dude is like a tried and true commercial photographer he does one story on homeless people one fucking story and then like the very next assignment is oh, back to perfume ads and he's like too good for it. He's done with that life. Give me a break, dude. You did one little project <laughs> like that. Come on. And his wife's yeah. like, hey, everyone's got to eat, man. We just did one of these, you know, whatever, not more than three months ago or something. Like, this dude's totally full of it, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, let's just pay rent and, you know, have our kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just, you can still do your other stuff on the side. Oh, also, by the way, are you ducking all of your calls from your project manager on that project that you're doing? <laughs> yeah, that you're supposedly <laughs> so passionate about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, and it is funny to watch him in this, like, high-class kind of uh, model shoot and everything like that, do, doing any type of complaining. And he's basically ruining it for his girlfriend as well. It's not just his, oh, his yeah. own career. She's even saying basically like, this is good for my career. Could you just put up with it for 30 minutes? Like you just have to take half naked photos of me. <laughs> is it really yeah, totally. that difficult? Like, <laughs> she doesn't get the call, but like you can definitely assume that she got fired from this. Like we're going to go in another direction. <laughs> One where the model's yeah. husband won't be the photographer screaming about how horrible our perfume is. Um, <laughs> everybody catch the, the ad sales lady in the background. I um, do not. Patricia Richardson, uh, a.k.a. Oh. Tim Allen's wife on Home Improvement, oh among God, other that things. Is a, but that is a, that is a, how did you spot that? <laughs> it, you know, we, we did a live show on this back at our, uh, we did like a 10th anniversary show mm. around our 11th anniversary, thanks to the, the pandy. Um, <laughs> so we did Chud and I watched the movie I watched the uh, integral cut, watched the theatrical cut, and then I watched the integral cut with the commentary. So I was like loaded up on, oh, on chud knowledge. We, have, and- <laughs> we literally have the chud expert then. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow, what a, what a thing to, to have on my resume. Um, Dude, next time they release, the, when the 4K cut comes out, there better be an essay liner with your name on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would re-record. We did a commentary on this. We do like syncable commentaries on We Hit Movies. That was the first ever commentary we did like, 
11 years ago or something like that. Um, so I would, I would want to update it, but hell yeah. We hate movies on the Chud 4K, which you know is inevitable. It's coming. People need to see those uh, those undergrounders in in uh, as as pristine detail as we can possibly. People I, uh, need to talk about the grain structure of them. I will say I have the um, uh, the Arrow Blu-ray, and it's not too bad. It, it looks pretty good, much better than my yeah. Chud Two Bud the Chud Blu-ray, which I also. Own. <laughs> <laughs> like a real real cool guy no arrow arrow <laughs> did some some nice work on it because i don't even think they had access to the original negatives i think they had to go oh, wow. and like use some use some uh sort of interpositives i uh-huh. think but they they no they they pulled some good work with it like this is a especially when we're going to be comparing the two like this is it's a it's a pretty good looking movie it looks yeah. more expensive uh than than you would maybe expect of uh of of the film and i you know it helps that they do some really great location work and obviously they do some great yeah. makeup work too which always helps a film look a little bit more um uh better than it is sometimes mm-hmm. um but uh but also i was surprised too that you know some of the just like actual engagement with some of the characters is uh you yeah. know like it, it takes some of these characters more emotionally seriously than i expected of you know a movie that kind of has the cult reputation that that it has you know because it, it, it gives you the you know the monsters in the sewer of the city grabbing people and ripping them to pieces and all that kind of stuff. It also has goofy details like the fact that the photographer is a, a sword guy, which is a detail <laughs> that they specifically yep. drop early on you just for a fun little beat later. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but even even the stuff with um, with Captain Bosch played by Christopher Curry with a great mustache. Always love oh, to yeah. see that. Oh, yeah. Um, and he plays and, him uh, super who, like in, like incredibly serious, uh, even with this really strange and bizarre situation going on around him. Like he's, totally. he's kind of playing up that a guy cop. like that to yeah, oh, sell totally. the danger of it, you know, because yeah, like he's the, just because it is a ridiculous situation that they're in. Yeah. And so to have him like sweating and going from location to location and calling people is like, listen, here, you son of a bitch, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's the kind of like cop performance he's channeling. And I think it, it does suit uh, this stuff well, because I will say, like, I, I did find some of the procedural stuff a little bit um, dull, even though I think the the uh, Bosch, uh, the actor, he, he does he does make it a little bit more interesting with him taking it as seriously as he does, and kind of he just he just goes for it. Like he is really sweating. Him and Stern are kind of fun together too, because Bosch is obviously the one investigating the sort of manhole related disappearances, including his wife, uh, the woman from the opening scene, and and his dog. I don't remember if he mentions his dog actually. We he do doesn't, later. dude. I got a feeling that's that was weird, like uh, he was like uh, you know, all right, Flora. <laughs> If you want yeah. that dog, that's all you. I'm not taking care of <laughs> mittens or whatever, you know? Yeah, because we later find that dog pretty gruesomely oh, yeah. uh, hanged at one point, too. And I was like, so he's not, you know, I guess the wife, you know, it's, it's good to know his wife is on the priority list higher than the dog. <laughs> there is an 80s movie version of this where the husband, you know, he's like, oh, my wife, you know, but he, but he cares more about the dog. There's oh, someone totally. who would make that comedy version of this and this one, you know, it, it avoids that instinct. But he gets paired with uh, Reverend A.J. Shepard, played by Daniel Stern, who is just... A walking armpit stain for ninety-five <laughs> percent of this movie. I would yeah, say man. it is actually it was distracting. I'll be honest. I was like, dude, shower or <laughs> I don't like. It, it feels like it wouldn't be that difficult. They probably got showers at his place, but he is this wonderful greaseball manager of the homeless shelter 
where his flock, his congregation, uh, as Captain Bosch calls it, um, are, are, are going missing. Uh, and obviously, you know, he has a, a homeless population that he feeds in the soup kitchen, but he specifically also says, look, we also have the undergrounders who are specifically the ones who don't live on the streets outside. It's those are the ones going missing, the one who live in who live in the sewer, who live in the labyrinth, the eventual labyrinth we actually see. It's pretty good production design, actually, of yeah. the sewer caves and the and the tunnels and how disgusting uh, some characters get trapped and down in there for a good portion of the movie. It's pretty, pretty, you know, another part that's great to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I also like the uh, the stuff that they imply in the beginning, I mean, they, they kind of, they reveal the creatures pretty early on, but there is still, you know, questions about where they're coming from and all of that. But they, I did like the, the scene where the old woman is, gets caught for trying to steal one of the cops guns for protection for Victor, (laughs) who's the person in the, in the sewer that's being bitten and stuff. Um, and she just has this attitude about her that is just like, I could not give a flying fuck about you people and she is dealing with Bosch which is interesting because the movie does have a heavy focus on him um but at least for the first 30 minutes he's not painted as a very good guy to be honest he's painted as like a pretty he's not he's not taking it as seriously as as he should and he slowly starts to once the evidence starts to stack and once he starts seeing you know because he's the one who you know when presented with evidence he will believe it versus you know like all the bureaucrats at the nuclear regulatory commission or whatever who are like yeah you can bring photographic evidence of these monsters and we yeah we don't fucking give a shit like shut up (laughs) (laughs) he kind of uh it's he's a little slow on the uptake though because he's like boy these missing persons reports sure are piling up. And then it, it takes like to the point where the, whatever the, like the police commissioner is, has to be like, Oh, all of those. Yeah. Don't investigate any of those anymore. And that's when he's like, now wait a second. That's weird. There's like 15 people presumed dead. He reminds me of, uh, he honestly reminds me of the cop in South Park where it's just like he does kind of the opposite of what you would instinctually do as probably doing your job or whatever. It's just very funny. Like he even has, I think, in the opening scene with Bosch, there's a a cop that I don't even know if he's named or or looked at again, but he's the one telling him like, these things seem a little strange. Maybe we should look into it. And he's just like, nah, nah, they're just missing. What do you think about that? Maybe we got to do some actual police work today. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Well, he eventually does get the fear of God put into him by one of the, uh, the, uh, homeless men, that he interviews named Val, who is uh, very clearly he's armed himself. He is afraid. And the dude is ranting like crazy. He is like on each side of the throne. There are four living creatures filled with eyes in front and behind. And, yeah. you know, Bosch like, God damn, I don't, I don't know. And, and, but, but it, it does take Daniel Stern eventually being like, I, this situation, it doesn't wash, Bosch. You know, oh, we got to. <laughs> How thrilled do you think he was to say wash, Bosch? Oh, he was like, like that's yeah. delightful. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the cops here in the, um, the, the squad room is, uh, oh man, it's what's his face. Uh, Sam, um, oh, Lord. oh, Sam McMurray, uh, who was, uh, he was like the shitty dad on Freaks and Geeks. He's in, um, oh, he's yeah. in Christmas Vacation. He's Clark Griswold's coworker. Oh my God, you're putting in a pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting yes. that this movie houses so many people that would go on to be parts of like 
huge things or like massive stars in their own right, like fucking John Goodman at the end of this movie. Like, yep. What a little snack he was in 1983. Good <laughs> little surprise cameo there yeah. for sure. I was like, I did not expect that one at all. <laughs> and he's so like, it's awesome to see stuff like that, especially with such a big star. Cause he's just, you can see that natural charisma already, but he only has yeah. one off scene that he just gets killed in. Like it's, it's, I love seeing that in these, uh, these older films. And he's uh, he's partnered with Jay Thomas, who was, um, I think he's dead now, but he was on Cheers for a while. He was like Carla Tortelli's um, Boston Bruins goalie uh, boyfriend or whatever. And he got famously fired from the show because he went on a radio show and was like disparaging uh, uh, Rita, Rita Perlman. Like just openly disparaging her on the radio, and so not the move, dude. He fucking wrote him off the show by he was run over and killed by a zamboni. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Is, that's oh, actually yeah. awesome. Though. <laughs> oh, dude! I'm glad that he did that. Then that's so funny. <laughs> what a way to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. So th- this is just populated with a whole bunch of kind of like recognizable comedy faces, like a lot of oh that guys kind of mm-hmm. deal. As the yeah. movie, it, which, which kind of helps the movie as it does take a little bit of a strange kind of slow burn investigative approach to so much of the sort of middle chapter of this film, which is a lot of like, you know, we get involved with with her, the photographer, while he's bailing out the um, uh, homeless woman who who was trying to steal a gun. And uh, he starts kind of investigating that alongside like some sort of reporter who's it's quasi blackmailing him or I wasn't mm-hmm. exactly sure what their relationship oh, um, Murphy? was. Oh, yeah. Murphy? Yeah. I, I don't know what, Mur- I don't, I don't know if Murphy knows what Murphy's doing in the movie. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of like following him. I mean, the funniest one is when um, they're actually having uh, this nice conversation about, um, because Kim Greist finds out in the movie that she's pregnant, and so they're having this discussion in Central Park, which is where you go to have these kind of convos, where she's like, you know, oh, maybe we should move out of the city. I don't know if I want, you know, the kid to grow up in 1983 Soho, which I totally understand, you know. And in the background of the frame is this fucking Murph guy, just like (laughs) poorly kind of like trying to make his way in. It isn't supposed to be played for comedy, but it's, I think very hilarious. <laughs> yeah, played by uh, J.C. Quinn from uh, The Abyss and Days of Thunder. <laughs> oh, yes. He is in The Abyss. That's right. Yeah. So th- so the, the, this movie kind of, weirdly enough, it does establish like quite a few different characters who have their own situations going on, like the abortion uh, sub, I guess maybe not abortion subplot, but the baby, the pregnancy subplot yeah. uh, does eventually actually coalesce and, in, into some various angles, including like a sort of abortion anxiety horror image mm-hmm. uh, during one of the scenes when she's being attacked by chuds and there, you know, the there's a like a clogged shower drain that she tries to fix with a hand hanger in the middle of the i was i was quite shocked by the whole scene (laughs) yeah i I was like is that is is that what you use to do in the shower and do you normally like just (laughs) do it like right then and i don't know it was a weird i wasn't sure exactly what she was doing um but the movie kind of doesn't either and i think if you if if tales are to be believed part of this movie was hijacked by the producer who Mm. wanted it to be more of a you know creature feature thing like we got 
And okay. funny enough, there's a moment where um, it's when John Hurd, sort of in the third act, I think, goes down and he finds a lot of the undergrounders are, are dead. And then the one guy is alive and it sort of attacks him much like a zombie. Like, that's what they wanted it to be. That's what's kind okay, of funny about okay. Chud 2 is that's the one thing. It actually takes, like, the original thread of the idea and puts it back in place. But this producer was like, no, monsters. They got to be big and they got to be <laughs> wet. And they got to be gross. And, like, yeah. so that's why you call. just have this one singular shot of this dude who's clearly a zombie in the sewer. Like, all of those homeless people are clearly turning into zombies. And then at the 11th hour, it's like, put this plastic sleeve over your head and you're this monster now. Cause that's all it is. It's a plastic helmet thing, like a mask. <laughs> and then they're all wearing like Michael Myers, like janitorial blues underneath it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but that shower scene is, it makes absolutely no fucking sense. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was almost a scene that I thought was like from a nightmare on Elm street movie or something like that. Some sort of anxiety that she's having just sort of made uh, tangible, which, you know, is, is less so what the movie is doing for the majority of its, of its runtime. It is a lot more of, you know, they're, they're going into the underground city and the society and seeing what they've formed in the tunnels. And, you know, they start, seeing their fears and, you know, gruesome injuries at the hands of whatever these creatures are that people aren't, you know, we're seeing little hints of, but aren't seeing, you know, like one will attack a grandfather in a payphone right next to his daughter, but we don't really see the the full um, altercation. And the right. little hints we get are like AJ, you know, talking to Bosch being like, you know, uh, this all has something to do with the, or, or, or do you think this has something to do with all the nuclear power plant materials and like toxic waste spillage that I've been finding turned up in, in, in the sewer? Yeah. Um, and, and maybe this is being covered up by the new nuclear <laughs> regulatory commission who says that this theory that these two things might be related is the lunatic ravings of a paranoid hippie, uh, which is what they say to him in the meeting when he confronts them with the evidence. Um, <laughs> But 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 I will say, like, the actual chuds, like, when we do get a, a look at their, like, ghoulish appearance, yeah. it takes it takes about a half hour to actually get there, but they, you know, they do look like toxic waste monsters with glowing eyes and slimy claws, and they're, you know, they're, there's drool coming out, and they're, you know, they're coming out at night and grabbing people, and, you know, there is something, you know, there's, there's a creep factor to it in a way that I do think they definitely lost when they were just like, well, let's just make them generic goofy zombies in yeah. the second one. One thing I like about their design specifically was they have these like glowing eyes and uh, there's a moment where one of them gets uh, decapitated and then when it actually dies, it like goes out. Um, it's very simple, yeah. but I just like certain things that they're throwing in there. Uh, I love I that decapitation specifically because his neck extends. Yeah, yeah it's which like, is the come only, and get me, motherfucker. It, it's literally the only time that it, <laughs> one of these creatures has that ability in the whole yep. movie, and it's literally for the moment where she can grab a cutlass and <laughs> yeah. just slice his head off, and green goo will shoot everywhere out of his neck. And <laughs> she should have had some line like, wow, thank God my husband's a weird sword guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been just a, kept a all this line. dangerous shit about Above my baby photos or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> above the crib for our child. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also really like this the scene where um, I believe it's it's George and I think it's AJ, the, the Reverend uh, Daniel Stern, when they're when they're investigating the the sewers and they actually stumble upon the the 
the the chuds and um and they're like worshiping the toxic waste like in a circle yeah. and it almost seems like they're yeah. chanting or something <laughs> oh, yeah. like that. I almost forgot about like all the fluids on the ground. And yeah, stuff. yeah. They <laughs> almost seem like they're like worshiping their power source or something like that. And I thought totally, that was kind dude. of fun. Wow, that's a great observation. That's like giving off vibes of like beneath the planet of the apes, where like all the <laughs> mutants in that movie are worshiping the atomic bomb. Oh, that is yeah. such a crazy fucking movie, dude. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, it's wild. <laughs> that is. I just rewatched all of those. I watched all nine of those. Uh, you know that's what? Awesome. They're they're good movies. Oh yeah. You, know, you can't. You, oh you, yeah. You can't go wrong. Uh, even the the sequels that don't work as well. I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching them. Especially totally. what's the one that goes full like Romero apocalyptic mm. like 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 revenge movie almost like i'm thinking of the ones where they like literally storm the capital and start gruesomely overthrowing the government yeah conquest of the i think that's of conquest the is yeah. where they do that and then uh battle is them sort of like there's infighting it winds up being like um chimps and orangutans like versus the gorillas because the gorillas are you know they have one opinion about how to handle the humans. I forgot about the race war one. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a weird one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's totally wild. And like those movies kept making money, and Fox kept shrinking their budget. But like with every one, there is some grim, you know, keeping in the spirit of Rod Serling, some grim like social issue that is addressed in every one of those movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were like, can you make the ending more bleak than the last one? <laughs> totally. Possibly? Uh, the last one, we blew up the entire planet. So where can we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, you know what? I, I will say personally, I was actually kind of shocked at how grim like this movie was because there's, there's stuff yeah. about it that is absolutely, oh, yeah. you know, it has some of that 80s cheese factor. There is some silliness to it, obviously. Like these are characters, you know, the, the government... Uh, bureaucrats are like incredibly cartoonishly evil and <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, the the cop who is like, you know, trying to uncover this mystery, the, a, a way that he will do it is he'll be like, hey, what are those like confidential redacted papers that you just dropped on the floor? And it'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> This says cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. <laughs> what could are you are you guys involved in this in some way? Which we end up finding out is actually like contamination, hazard, What's urban disposal, and it's this whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, like God. so, you know, it it, it 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 turns out that they're just keeping radioactive waste in the sewers <laughs> in you know in New York, and it's literally it's not like creating these monsters; it's mutating the homeless uh, population into these monsters which also it does take them a little bit longer to find that out than you than you would expect uh <laughs> and 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 it doesn't fully commit to the like conspiratorial conspiratorial like paranoia of it like it's not quite grim in that manner but like when when the actual violence kicks in when the chuds start doing their action like the, one of the first scenes i saw i actually thought was a little freaky was the uh the one where they just cuz they do the autopsy scene which is a pretty good scene where yeah. they find one of the bodies and we only get a you know a good sort of implication view of it where we see it reflected through mm-hmm. the you know the the sort of goggles of like a hazmat suit while they're watching and they're like you know they're they're freaking out they're looking at this goopy creature uh, flying fl- like lying flat on the slab and they decide well you know, the one guy goes immediately, well, 
this is fine. We got the creature. My yep. men are going back to work underground tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, well, hold on. How do you not know that this is not the only one? So they meet a compromise where they send a bunch of guys down. And this was the first scene where I thought this is actually kind of creepy because they send down a full team armed with flamethrowers <laughs> and yeah. also also a camera crew so we can watch it. And we get almost like a found footage horror moment where all of these guys are, you know, being transported down there, almost like Stargate style as a team. Oh, yes. <laughs> totally. And and it, and it is a set piece where we don't see the monster, but we just see these men with flamethrowers get absolutely annihilated and the camera flying around everywhere. All these guys are screaming and they're killed. And yeah, I mean, other than the one line where he's like, send my guys and he's just like well send your guys like my your your guys got a camera mine might have flamethrowers send my guys down there other than like a little comedy beat like that it's a pretty like disturbing little moment honestly yeah mm-hmm. it's a it's there's there's some like uh you know dick measuring going on here because this um this like uh nrc guy is like he's saying oh, i'm gonna send my dudes down there my camcorder guy my one guy and Bosch, <laughs> you get out of here, Bosch. Like, you as the police department, this isn't for you anymore. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah. And he, like, Bosch sort of screws him here and sends those guys down, like, without him knowing. Because they come up on the camera. And the team leader of all people, played by Frankie Faison um, from Sounds and Lambs and a hundred things. And these, it's the funniest line when they're when they're doing the, the measuring up here. Because Bosch is like, oh, yeah, well, if you send a guy down there, I'm going to send five guys down there all with flamethrowers. And I was just like, <laughs> cops have flamethrowers? Like, how does that fucking flamethrower department? You know what? Like, Ever what since uh, uh, Steve, Steve uh, showed us, he came on the podcast and he showed us The Hidden. Oh, yeah. uh, I have ever since believed that cops just have flamethrowers. Yep. Everything at their <laughs> <Fair> disposal. <enough. laughs> Absolutely. Some, they found some guy on the street who has it. It's in the evidence room. They bust it out when they need <laughs> you it. You never know, know when you're going to need a flamethrower. I've always said this. <laughs> Better safe than sorry. That's for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's lucky this is also, I mean, you get, you're getting tons of like decapitations here. A lot of like, uh, you know, yeah. limb rips and whatnot. Like they really go all out and like, just such a beautiful thing with all the practical effects, all the goop and it is. Body parts. I, I, I did. I did feel like some of the sequences themselves fake. Uh, feel like they they take a, a a little long to kind of show what it is that's happening. It feels a lot of like mm-hmm. you. They kind of do the suspenseful setup and then they hit the moment. They cut away. Um, but they, but, but the aftermaths kind of make up for it. Like the aftermaths when we come back to seeing these people are usually pretty gruesome to yeah. Yeah, like like, like the, yeah like you're you're finding the limbs uh hang around or when they do like that bit with john goodman and they the chuds you know they're they're getting hungry they're running out of homeless people so they start actually making their way up and attacking people in the streets which is what they're you know so they they go to this diner that john goodman's in and we don't you know we see all we see is it kind of come up to the window behind like the rain the rainy window and he, yeah. he almost practically licking his lips <laughs> and then the next thing we see is this sort of like dolly shot like along the street outside the diner just drenched in blood mm. and guts like oh, yeah. in the literal gutters and uh, <laughs> my favorite, so, like that kind of stuff is good yeah my favorite of like the icky moments right here is when they're when when they wind up realizing oh shit we're like locked in here and they're turning on the the gas to you know kill the chuds mm-hmm. um they they come across all of the uh the the carnage from the massacre here and they're looking around oh here's the camera 
and they're you know Daniel Stern's like trying to wave on the TV, nothing's doing. And then John Hurd's like, oh, this thing has a headphone jack. Where are the headphones? And it's a great, great, like one, <laughs> yes. two, him looking. Oh, yes. there it is. Where is it? On a decapitated head. The NRC oh, camera, guy. camera yeah. guy got totally decapitated. <laughs> I want the like, I want the shot of John Hurd picking it off the head. Like, ew, 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 that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, um, when but they, that's a great moment. And when they stumble into that, I think it's the same room too. The, the bodies themselves are just, just like, they're, people are ripped in half. Like it is actually pretty wild compared to some of the other stuff you see with just them doing the suspense and then kind of cutting away. Another one that's really good is, is I guess this one is kind of an aftermath one too, though, is, is Victor's, um, uh, leg that's just like cut up and eaten and you can see the bone and, and the muscle and a bite taken out of it. You can see the chomp marks. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's, it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, so yeah, it does have some, some pretty good, gore effects they they use it pretty few and far between but it it's i think it makes them those moments that much more effective i was just surprised with this overall like especially with the intro it feels like it's going to be campier than it ends up being throughout there's a ton of moments i was just surprised that um it takes itself yeah, as they, seriously they as they it never does, go kind of like gremlins mode where you yeah. are expecting to see them start <laughs> interacting and start plotting or almost. something a lot of it is more like no you're kind of just stuck with the characters who are witnessing the aftermath of these things because it's mm-hmm. like george and aj both end up i think trapped like in the subterranean layer basically just like you know not exactly sure how to get out and running into all of these sort of you know dirty areas like the the part with all the vomit looking liquids that they're worshiping and the <laughs> you know the dirty brick tunnels and um lauren is also uh his 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 wife is also eventually obviously attacked um and you know so we, we you, that's where you get the um you know, the, the, the bloody shower and her decapitating one of them and finding also Captain Bosch's like mangled dog in her basement because I guess that's where it has like sewer access point to. Yeah, Which, by the way, I also be... thought it was kind of wait, wasteful because the, the, the chuds in the second movie do eat the dogs. They're like, you know, <laughs> we're, you know they don't just leave <laughs> them there to like <laughs> fuck with you, you know. <laughs> that is always the, the weirdest like idea in this movie or like weirdest decision is the fact that there's a chud going for Lauren up in their loft apartment. Like what? I mean, yeah. that kind of thing, <laughs> it only makes sense if like John, he's, Hurd, he's the ambitious one. Yeah. Okay? Right. Cause otherwise it's like, <laughs> yeah. unless they had John heard like steal something from the chuds and it's like, they can smell it or something and know that that's where they have to go. Otherwise it's like, why is this chud climbing like the five flights of stairs? There's other apartments before theirs. It, yeah, it does come off as like, know. well, she's the lead, so we're going to have to put her in peril, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. Which does lead also, to, with her scene of like, what, we already talked about it, but with the the blood coming out of the drain, it just seems yeah. like it's it's a cool, it's a, it's a very cool image, but it just doesn't connect to like what we've set up the rules of this, this, uh, this situation are, I guess. Right. And it also doesn't connect to the rest of the movie because she doesn't appear to acknowledge that that happened. Like in the very mm. next scene, she's like watering a plant or something. And you're just like, <laughs> all right. Uh, Dude, that's what I do when I'm stressed out too. You know, like that's. Uh, <laughs> and she she has a little bit better than Bosch, who was the one who finds his rotting, decapitated <sighs> head of, of his wife and an image that, you know, drives him insane through part of the finale of, of the film. And which I thought is like, it made sense that it's not exactly in the theatrical because it does kind of get. And I mean, other than the fact that obviously 
you do go, well, what the fuck did he, is he reacting to? Like, right. why was he show so shocked or what, what happened to him? Yeah. But it does give this movie this kind of weird downbeat vibe to it where it is just <laughs> characters finding gross shit and kind of being a little bit sad about it. And I, <laughs> yeah. I did think again that it was like sort of an interesting, you know, move for a move, you know, like a little monster movie where it's like, there are a bunch of hungry guys who just want to eat people. It's not exactly, you know, it really isn't, it, it is fun, but it isn't trying to be the most fun. It is trying to be a little bit harrowing and shocking um, at times, too. You know, the mileage may vary on the effectiveness of that, but it, it is what it's going for or the effect that it's having. And so, yeah, I thought that that was interesting and kind of does carry you through the finale where it does try to, you know, it, increase a little bit in in intensity around the time that AJ and, and George uh, start finding the undergrounders either torn into literal pieces of like dismembered limbs everywhere or find them as Andrew was saying in like kind of like the zombified uh, state when they couldn't exactly decide which variation they were going to go with between the producers and the, and the filmmakers. Right. Um, and, and, and they start actually having to execute them and stuff like that, which is, you know, also kind of dark. Yeah. And, and that line too, where he's like, there's every indication that this one was like once human as well. Like it's oh, dressed they say, in the rags of a Bowery bum. Yes, like they know that they're kind of killing humans at this point. Yeah. That line, it's dressed in the rags of a Bowery bum. That it's, yeah, oh, where did that come from? No one else talks like that in the movie. No, it's very weird. <laughs> Like what a poetic uh, way to say that. It's 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 something Lawrence Fishburne would say in John Wick movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's just a very eloquent morgue attendant, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, they, and and again, they they find the massacred camera crew because they're trying to send a message that there's still people alive down there. Because the government solution is once again to start pumping the sewers full of gas to just asphyxiate everything that's down there. And at first, yeah. it, I wasn't even for sure that it was just to asphyxiate everyone. I was like, wait, are they pumping it with flammable gas? Like, is that the plan? They're gonna <laughs> blow it. Like, I honestly thought they were gonna blow it up. And there's a, gonna watch. <laughs> Yeah. There's like a really bad, um, like, or New York only kind of line in in that meeting where the the government so and sos are trying to figure out like um, what to do, and the guy, this RNC dude, is like, um, or NRC dude, is like, hey. We're just going to flood the sewers with gas. And the guy's like, you can't do that. That could blow up the whole city. And the guy very flippantly is like, ah, just a little part of Soho. You get it? It's a fucking garbage part of town. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking wasteland down there. Fuck those people, right? <laughs> yeah, let, let, yeah, let's blow it up. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, all Even though the whole point of this is that all these people are disappearing and dying and we're yes. supposed to be trying to stop this from happening. <laughs> and, you know, the, the the NRC guy is kind of such an interesting villain, right? Because it really, the movie turns into this, like, it's all of a sudden, it's not even about the chuds anymore. It's like yeah. good versus bad people. And this dude trying to, you know, cover his own ass and everything, willing to like literally shoot a cop you know, in the back. And, and yeah, and like while he's trying to smother these other two dudes, um, you know, by trying to run them the over with the van. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Like, this dude just totally goes batshit crazy off the deep end in the best way because you can have this is like a villain that you can have them go up against and have a scene. Because I think the thing is why you don't see, you know, human versus Chud is like, you know, budgetary shit. It's going to look stupid as all get out. So it's kind of smart they change it. You can have this cool face-off between just people. 
yeah yeah, yeah. well and also it would lore. create this feel bad thing where you're like you realize you're killing homeless people now if you're just like mad if the finale right. is massacring chuds it doesn't have the same yeah. effect when you're like oh wait these are all our homeless friends yeah and you can kind of <laughs> especially a- for the daniel stern character yeah and you can kind of get away with it when it's like let's say lauren when she decapitates the one is because it's like it's after her and it's kind of this one-on-one individual thing it would right. have very strange implications if they just started slaughtering every single <laughs> mutated homeless person well um, and they, they save the exact even though we kind of know they do save the like literal reveal of it until this finale when yeah. the cop figures it out and he's like oh i finally like understand I do, what all of this means all of the waste uh, you know we get a little bit of exposition about it i do think it's funny that you do like you get the showdown with with wilson and he you know he crashes the car after he gets shot and then the fucking thing just explodes over the manhole and all of that <laughs> um it, it like that's pretty that's pretty entertaining but i do find it funny that they have nothing about like the, the there's like cleanup or if this problem is going to continue on because of the, yeah, the movie ends and i was pollution. like wait is that situation over yeah i was, I was, I was, yeah. I was like i get that wilson's dead and that's great because he's an asshole but it seems like the whole <laughs> overall plot problem is still very much happening absolutely <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> and that's you know it's sort of a great you know thing for again a film set in gross ass new york like of course those problems are continuing yeah. you know, no <laughs> yeah. no yeah, investigative journalist and captain bosch can eradicate that shit permanently well see what was interesting to me is is maybe you can tell us if there's a difference between the 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 two cuts but like i figured like a normal movie would kind of set that up that they would they would have a final scene where it's like oh they didn't save it in this one it feels like they just ignored that they were like oh (laughs) this is the end of the movie and we just aren't going to address the chuds whereas like i feel like a normal one would kind of be like you know oh the the chuds are still out there here's a here's a final scene of the chud hanging out doing its thing there uh, if i'm remembering correctly and i and, and i feel bad i only watched the integral cut today i should have watched the theatrical oh. also but i think the way the theatrical ends so in in the integral we saw a brief little montage of just like city life and like the sun setting on new york um it's only like a few shots so what they did is there's that shot that plays at the end and there's some sort of radio thing that's like Kind of mentioning, oh, there was a disturbance in Soho last night. We don't know, you know, the end result, blah, blah, blah. And then what do we see? Um, The John Goodman diner scene. And I believe that's how. So they straight up rearrange it. Yeah, I believe the theatrical ends with like the chuds pushing through the diner window. And then that would make sense to why they shot it that way then. Because it was meant to be like your cut to black. They're still out there. They're still. okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, which is, but it, then you don't, also, you, you, but you, know, you don't get that gruesome aftermath then in the theatrical. Damn. Yeah, you don't get to see any of that, which is it is too bad because you know there's a lot of great bloodshed in that sequence. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. true. I uh, the, the aftermath is some of like the some of the the best stuff. And yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind the the, the place that it ends. It just is funny. Yeah. yeah. It just is like a case of you know oh we we killed Wilson. He's on fire, burning to death in the van <laughs> that we're all staring at. Oh by the way, Bosch is okay. He got shot, but him and Daniel Stern are like giving each other the thumbs up or whatever. Yeah. And. Uh, and they all like kind of embrace each other in the ash and the smoke of the decimated New York. And then like the moody synth beat kicks in and they were like, and then that's it. They, oh, yeah. It feels like their individual <laughs> issues are good, like good to go. But the, the, just the, yeah. the thing on the mass scale is still fully going on, which like, I mean, it kind of, it can make sense. It's just, it's, it is strange that the film doesn't say anything about it at all. But, uh, 
I mean, it still works for what it is. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And 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 that is uh, Chud. So we are going to be pivoting towards the reductive rating round here, which for uh, you, Andrew, is the part where uh, we remove all the words and all the nuance and reduce the movie between a number between one and five. But it's also turned into like, you know, any final lines or scenes or anything that we just, you know, didn't happen to hit while we were uh, mm. uh, discussing. Uh, but for for me, this this hovers around kind of like the, the the solid three territory. I think I, I had a good time with it. I do want to come back to it now after having watched Chud two, but <laughs> Chud two, um, only because I I watched this and I was kind of comparing it to things that maybe weren't completely fair to compare it to. I was sitting there being like, you know, it's Diet Larry Cohen, it's Diet Frank. Sure. It, it's right. it's not basket yeah. case for me. Uh, even with Larry Cohen, like the satirical element, I did think was a little bit half baked about you. You know the ideas about how we treat homeless people like radioactive toxic waste or you know <laughs> yeah. i it didn't quite hit the levels of like larry cohen would go full unhinged conspiratorial paranoia with stuff like that like i think about god told me to and mm, yeah. you know some of the religious stuff he does in that or even the stuff too with the sort of corporate craziness he gets into there so it just so comparing it to those it definitely kind of ended up feeling like it took a little bit too long to get to a place that it you know wasn't as good as those uh and i could have used Maybe I not to credit a artless producer. I could have used, you know, I wish they would have given them a little bit more money. Get yeah. some more <laughs> nasty creature feature action mayhem in there. Get some more Gremlins action going on. But, but despite all that, um, I kind of liked the the you know, despite the fact that there's some issues that arise from it, the slow burn like scuzzy New York City monster B movie vibe of it is is pretty strong. And you know, there's some the really gruesome aftermaths we do see are well done and surprisingly, you know, sad and, and savage and the characters do take it seriously and react to it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, this, this ended up, uh, I, I thought that ended up kind of working, uh, for the movie, even though, you know, even if the movie is closer to something like street trash or slugs rather than like basket case or it's alive or something, it, it, it definitely, you know, ended up, uh, kind of, playing decently uh for me and and just even some bizarre shit like the bloody shower stuff and yeah. the, you know uh just ended up kind of surprising me in some spots so i had a good time with it yeah i'm uh i'm gonna give it the same i i pretty much felt the same way honestly i think uh i i think all the 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 acting itself is really good i do like all the performances and bosch taking this uh incredibly <laughs> seriously and and um it's it just that, that a little bit of the slow burn was weighing on me I, I would I think it was I would say that those slow moments really make those uh like the moment when he finds his wife's head for instance that like it really makes that moment pop it's it's it pre- pops it's very they want to make that pop yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> jarring it's not what you're used to throughout the rest of the film it's like one of the a very gritty almost you know bloody detective kind of movie uh moment and it's it's strange that it's also surrounded by you know, these like goopy creatures and old grandpas getting taken from a phone booth and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But then you have this this rotting head in a lakeside. It's just it's yeah, or a mangled, hanged dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Close up too. like it's just like, look at this fucking dead, small ass dog hanging there. <laughs> like it really is uh, pretty gritty in moments that are that are shocking because the rest of the film just doesn't have that same feel. So I, I think those those work pretty well. Um and yeah, it's got a little bit of a strange ending, not focusing on the kind of main plot that the rest of the film is focused on with the with the chuds. But um, 
I, I still do understand it could be, whether it be laziness or it just happens to work, it, it, it seems to say like this problem could probably be, it, it would keep going because it's on such a mass scale. So I think it still kind of works, even though it might have been, a, I don't know, a lack of writing or laziness. I'm not really sure, but um, it's, uh, I, th I think it's a fun movie, so I would, I would recommend it for sure. Um, it's just a little bit slower and less campy than I expected because when I've, I've heard about Chud for a while and I just always anticipated something more along the lines of like Gremlins or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was one so. of those classic video store posters I remember yeah. looking oh, at for yeah. years totally. and years and years and just imagining the movie that that, that was. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, three out of five. For you, Andrew. Um, I mean, I think I'm going to have to go four. Uh, nice. Well, let's go. Uh, I think the only thing... I mean, the, the guests bring it. The guests gotta like it. <laughs> you know, I think the only thing missing is a chud tattoo at this point. I literally have... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see. I put both Blu-rays and the fucking score to the first one on vinyl uh, behind wow. me here in the studio. Uh, let's yeah, go. You know, it's just... It hits a lot of sweet spot things for me. It's very stupid. It has Daniel Stern in it. Gross New York City... I will say another person who found that head reveal pretty shocking is Daniel Stern himself, who uh, there's a great, the commentary is him and John Hurd, and I think maybe Christopher Curry's also in it, or maybe it's the director, um, but they get to that part, and Daniel Stern didn't know about that at all and had never seen it. Oh, because he had only seen the theatrical. <laughs> well, yeah. And he's like, oh, so there's my decapitated wife. What the fuck is that? Like, he's totally disturbed <laughs> by it. You feel so terrible for him because it comes out of nowhere. And he's like, God, what the fuck was that? Um, it's Jesus. a really hilarious commentary, though. They, um, they're just totally, like, goofing on the movie and having a ball with it. And, like, they tell a lot of great stories, which is where I get a lot of these extracurricular uh, chud facts. Um, but <laughs> when I, did they record that commentary out of curiosity? Did, did they at all? Because I, I wanted to know whether they bring up at all Jordan Peele, not because no, of it's not new. because it was recorded after us, but yeah. because of the fact that I thought he might come up because I read because you know he he references it in us and it was right. partially something that I you know had the back of my mind when I was looking it up. Uh -huh. So I kind of briefly detoured to just see if he had said anything about it before. And he didn't say that he like really loved the movie or that that was, you know, what he was getting at. He said that he put it in there because his girl, his first girlfriend's dad was Douglas Cheek. What? Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And, the, and, and he said that that was my introduction to Chud because it was like, oh, oh, your dad makes movies. What is the movie that he made? Oh, that is too funny. <laughs> oh, that's wild. I oh, didn't know wow. that there was like I a think, personal um, thing. I just figured it was the, you know, the kind of underground people. That yeah, were totally. Away by I mean, yeah, well, yeah, he totally, he totally steals it too oh, yeah, in terms of yeah. commentary and how we treat the less fortunate and people yeah. living underground and for sure. But yeah, yeah that wow. was, I was surprised to hear that. So I was like, <laughs> does, what does Douglas Cheek think about Jordan Peele? Now? I think unfortunately <laughs> it's the same, um, commentary, like ported over from the first DVD. Gotcha. So it's one of those that, like mid two thousands ones kind of deal. Yeah, totally. I think it's like, Oh, four maybe or something like that. I mean, John Hurt is still alive to do it. So um, oh, yeah, that true. is a bit of an indicator. Yeah, totally. I would, just one last thing on it, because um, it sort of ties in nicely. It would make an interesting double feature in a way, because they did shoot a lot of the subway stuff, um, a lot of the downtown subway scenes in actual stations that, you know, were hmm. active. Uh, and it just always makes me think of Mark Singer's doc, Dark Days. Um, hmm. If you guys haven't seen that, it's a really fascinating it. movie, literally about New York underground people. 
living oh, okay. in these massive abandoned train tunnels and stuff. Uh, oh yeah, I've, I have this watched this story. Yeah. It's yeah, from 2000, so you know all all info clearly dated, but. He went down into a lot of these tunnels, getting these, you know, embedding with these folks and, and you know, filming them and everything. So you get like this peek into this world. It is it is grimly fascinating. So make yeah, an odd double really feature with this movie, but um, worth the watch for sure. Yeah. yeah. If you want to immediately feel worse <laughs> yeah, after watching precisely. That would be the way to go. Um, and uh, but yeah, so th- that is going to wrap it up for Chud. But uh, stick around. We are going to be right back and we are going to be talking about Chud 2, Bud the Chud and feeling worse in a little bit of a different way. <laughs> We're not just talking about some animated corpse. You got it? Everything it infects mutates. The army, the police, and the FBI can't seem to stop this ravenous plague. But a group of clever kids might just chill the chuds. Unreal. Chud 2. This chuds for you. All right, we are back and we are talking Chud 2. Bud the Chud. That's right. The 1989 American uh, uh, they want to say creature horror zombie film, but it is blatantly a comedy film. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And it, it, as Andrew mentioned, a total pivot. Uh, written by Ed Naha and directed by David Irving. Once again, kind of an oddball pairing of uh, writer and 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 director because we've actually talked about Naha once before with his script for Stuart Gordon's Dolls. Oh uh, wow. His, uh, movie about a toy maker of a very violent, uh, you know, possessed toys who basically do slasher kills around his, you know, sort of like gothic house that he has. And but but given this very uh, grim fairy tale by way of like Val Luton or James Whale kind of vibe by Stuart Gordon. And it's, you know, surprisingly kind of silly and 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 gruesome and I think pretty good. Honestly, I just yeah, uh, I like those a lot. I I just got a look at the uh, new Arrow uh, restoration that they did for it because it's coming Ooh. out in that uh, video box set or whatever. That oh, like the out, video like, store. I forget what it's yeah. called. Like, yeah, I got a I got a preview copy of oh, that and, looked at, and and watched it. And it's very very nice and it's a very good looking movie. And honestly, I kind of not a script's like not not terrible. It's 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 kind of knowing. It, it has some idea of what it's doing. Um, but paired here, uh, he is with the director David Irving, which from what I could find about this guy at all. He's a theater director uh, turned filmmaker and the brother of Amy Irving, which is basically oh. the only thing that I could find as to why he has a movie career. Because um, <laughs> most people will know a- Amy Irving, especially on this show anyway, for how much we've talked about her in Brian De Palma films like Carrie and The Fury and Casualties of War even. Uh, but she's also a terrific rom-com actress. I just watched uh, Crossing Delancey oh, on 35 yeah. millimeter not that long ago, and I had, had a really great time. thought she was great in that. Um this but was, David uh, Irving, less known, I will say. <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly. Uh, I was going to say, a big year for Naha, by the way, because uh, same year this gem came out, he also wrote the screenplay for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ooh, it is a big year. Oh, and I didn't realize they were the same year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both about weird science in- experiments. I mean, that, that counts for oh, that's something. That's true. <laughs> 
Yeah, he had he had a he had a, a a vibe going for him for sure. Why did we talk about Honey I Shrunk the Kids recently, Jamie? Did it come up on an episode we were talking about? Was it Stay Tuned? I feel like it was Stay Tuned. I, yes, it was. <laughs> it was Stay Tuned. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> I don't remember why it came up there. We've been d- talking a lot about like late '80s comedies. I yeah, feel like, more similar on the show vibes recently. with those two movies. I can see somehow those those wires getting crossed conversationally. <laughs> yeah, I totally buy it. Um, but yeah, from what I could partially glean looking up a little bit of history about this, because I got about halfway through the movie and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I, I, I I literally put one on and I put the other one on and I was like, this, is this, I actually thought maybe I put the wrong one on. I was like, Uh, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the sequel to Chud. Maybe there's two movies named Chud, Bud the Chud. I thought at first, like they were going to do this, this kind of um transformation thing or something like that because it like it has some of the the characters in the first chud uh kind of at least start their transformation you saw it like with victor um so i was like well maybe this these like zombie things are going to turn into the creatures and it just it doesn't really get there it's it's mostly they uh they are zombies essentially and um and they have like sharp black teeth and some like you know, tired looking eyes. That's essentially they they, they, they got some into. local Halloween store dentures. You know? oh, yeah. Like let's uh they took a Sharpie and, marker to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After they've dried off, people put them in their mouths. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well and, and I don't I don't know if either of you ended up looking looking this up, but do you know what this was supposed to be when it was originally being written? Oh no. No. It was so so cuz and it makes so much sense when you find this out. And I my I immediately I felt like a, a sense of warm relaxa- relaxation come over me when I finally was like, <laughs> "Oh, that's why this is why this is what it is." Um this was meant to be like a return of the living dead knockoff. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, Cause they even have like the how- same, um, there's, I'm almost certain I've seen it in as a gag and maybe it was return of the living dead or whatever, whichever one becomes, I think that's the one that where it becomes more spoofy. Right. And it has the zombies, yeah. like when their heads get knocked off, for instance, they start kicking it around cause they can't pick it back up. Like that literally happens in this. And I felt, feel like mm-hmm. I've definitely seen that in one of the sequels of those zombie films. So, yeah, so that was very much when the script was originally being written. That was the project that it was designed to be. And somewhere along the line, someone who produced the Chud movie maybe got involved and said, hey, I have the rights to this thing and we can market it as this and we can do one of those classic like sequel and name only type deals. But unlike a sequel and name only, which we've talked about before, obviously very famously something like Lucio Fulci's Zombie 2, mm-hmm. which they, mm-hmm. in Italy, they specifically just said this is the sequel to Dawn of the Dead, despite the fact that Fulci never, ever even intended anything of the such. They just wanted to get that cash. Or Troll um, 2. With this... <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and with this, they caught it early enough in the process that they could be like, well, have a character say Chud every so often. And <laughs> yeah. there you go. We Now 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 it's a, it's a Chud movie. And as a result, we have a movie where it's, you know, literally called Chud 2. You turn it on and you're like, the creatures don't look the same. There is no sewer element to it. They don't have the underground dweller part of the name at all. It's all about this military experiment called the chud project which from what i could even tell didn't even seem that similar to the chud project no, it's like of the su- first film it's like yeah. super soldier shit because robert yeah. <laughs> vaughn's like you know what once our boys die on the battlefield they can be resurrected and fight for america some more yeah and they, <laughs> they seem to try to like imply certain things from the first one like there's one part where one of the nurses or doctors 
tells the general guy, like, you know, it basically brings up certain problems that happened in the first one. Like they're going to be out of control. They have super strength, blah, blah, blah. And he, and all yeah. his answers are just like, yeah, but we can use that for our military purposes. So it's all, it's all good. So it's like they, they try to loosely, you know, bring in the first one kind of, but they just, yeah. they don't seem to give a shit other than, um, it's a, it's a chud project that's connected to the U S government. And that's pretty much it. So. Yeah. Well, you could, you could immediately like, just tell that they went well we can reference the history of the previous movie but it's not going to yeah. change like what we've written for the movie. <laughs> exactly like, they don't care all. like like yeah. we we all we already have like super soldiers and hordes of zombies falling upon the american suburbs and we already have like annoying teen kids that you could see <laughs> in a movie like chopping mall or night of the demons mm -hmm. or something and they're like we're, we're the gears are turning on this movie and you have to understand that, you know, all the Chud thing is, is for the poster. Yeah. And we want to have a little creature and, the little, you know, poking his little eyes out and his little claw out and people will come in and uh, watch it because of And it of is that. wild um, that the, the poster itself has the creature that you see in the first one. And then it never yeah. appears at all in <laughs> yes. this. Like that, that's one thing I was kind of, I was a little upset about because like the, the one, not the one thing, but uh, one of the few things that I did love about the like the first one was the like the goopy and kind of campy creature design and all that. And then to put it on your poster and then not even deliver one of them is pretty disappointing, <laughs> I would say. It's actually interesting. It's it's so lazy, in fact. I'm looking at it right now. There's only one that actually looks like a chud from the first one. And that's the dude who's like literally in the sewer. And then there's a dude kind of like in the middle. And that guy looks like a chud with like a receding hairline. And then the three <laughs> yeah. other chuds above that guy that are like supposed to be like standing in the street, one of which has chains coming off him, which I don't understand. But they mm -hmm. just look like three like cue bald dudes. Yeah. Just like yeah. dudes that shave their head for the swim team. Like you can't even have consistency <laughs> in your poster art. Yeah. 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 100%. <laughs> It's ridiculous, this movie, man. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I could just tell immediately that the vibes were off. Yeah. Like, in the open, like, literally before the credits had even hit, because it was, like, these crummy, like, apple-eating sound design noises oh, are taking, like, a bite into the title, and I was sitting there going, like, and I was like, that is, that's not what a chud sounds like. That's not what a, what it, <laughs> yeah, because in the first one, they present them as, like, like, they try to be, it's legitimately threatening. Like, one of the first things that you hear when um, George goes down and and finds that like Geiger machine is a huge roar coming out of the the yes. deep tunnels of the sewers and stuff. And with this, yeah, you have apple biting the sound effects, and it's it's very um, cartoonish. It sounded now. like you took it from a library yeah. of some kind. Oh, yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, it's what it's what it happens. It's what you hear when Garfield bites into his sandwich. Like that's <laughs> <Right>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I mean, you can tell the vibes are off right away because another thing that the first Chud does not have. Uh, is a titular theme song. Good yeah. God, oh, this right. sitcom Bud the Chug theme song. Bud the Chug. Yeah, I'm Bud the Chug. I think that was one of the, the, the few things I thought was kind of hubris in, in this for some reason. I think any time a character gets a theme song, I'm always a fan. I don't know what it is about it. Like, it's not, it's no Dude, Tokyo yeah, Drifter, but you know what I'm saying. It's uh, <laughs> well, it, well, no, what was, the, what was the Wes Craven one? We were baffled by that one. Um, the little oh, robot, the deadly um, friend, deadly. Yeah, BB. he's like BB. Oh, yeah. I am BB. It's the weirdest he has, he has thing ever. Speaking of Wes Craven, by the way, isn't it wild too that Robert England just 
appears as a man in a trench coat. Oh yeah, walk it, walking just with a trick or treater, a and they don't have any focus on him. He's just there. You're just like, hey, there's Robert England, and then he disappears, <laughs> and it's never to happen again. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. Like moment. <laughs> it's like he he comes close, but he's a pro, so he doesn't he doesn't spike the camera. But there he is. He's dressed like the fucking Pope's exorcist. Like, yeah, yeah. This big they, they, black they, they couldn't talk with anything interesting for him to do. He couldn't like talk to a kid or you know. Yeah, they're just like, could you just walk in front of the camera? Uh, and we're gonna put you. He would have like made a, a great. Shot. old guy like the uh, the end of Night of the Demons like the old guy who wants to kill the trick-or-treaters right <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally yeah it's weird that, that they was would use him for like movie. a tongue-in-cheek thing with um that old couple uh I was oh, like yeah. oh you're inviting these kids into the house for trick-or-treat candy I don't know about that kids luckily yeah. they were chuds and killed those disgusting old people <laughs> that's right um, yeah. and their bird who knows how else that would have went Jesus <laughs> one of which is a, the lady is a June Lockhart from Lassie oh okay is that the that's old lady that's kind of dark actually yeah fi- figure out how she got in this movie that's so funny <laughs> They're one, like, have you ever wished that the children on Lassie would eat you? <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie about? <laughs> oh, no. The one, um, a lot of the humor, obviously, in this doesn't work entirely. Uh, but there there was a couple lines. Like, one of them I did like, and it's near the beginning, so I can just, I see it on my notes here, is when they're talking about getting rid of the Chug program and the obviously the general's trying to keep the super soldiers going and all that. Um, but one one guy says something like, uh, I'm not much of a chemical warfare for, warfare man. I'm more of a nuke man myself. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that, a good one. Know, I thought that that was kind of humorous. And they have a couple throwaway lines like that that are that are funny, but um, a lot of it, I was surprised at how uh, like PG the whole thing is, especially compared to the first one, it's where you so have childish. that readiness that and, we were talking and, about, and, and like, and for being as ridiculous as it is, I like because I just called the last movie half baked satire. <laughs> I don't even think there is satire in this. Oh no, this, no, this no, movie doesn't know what satire means. No, 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 no. It's no. so on the it's, nose. It, like it, it's basically it's all cult movie winking. It's almost yeah. like in, like trying to make a bad movie kind of material yes. in a way that I don't know. It felt it felt a little desperate to me rather than charming. I, and so much I of the uh, the 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 vibe of the comedy, and I think this comes from Garrett Graham's performance a little bit. The legendary Garrett Graham. Um, it's very from fucking Phantom of the Paradise. We'll never forget. Hell yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> he is probably the best part of this. <laughs> oh, with, yes. oh, without yeah. question. Like him and Robert Vaughn. Yeah. Um, Why is Robert Vaughn in this? Sorry. He, oh, yeah, well, because he had to, pay, he had to pave a best. driveway. Uh, okay. <laughs> there was a driveway that needed repaving in his house. <laughs> so overqualified. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, and we we just talked about uh, Demon Seed with Sean Fennessy recently on the podcast too, which he was actually I kind of liked him in. Oh yeah. 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 He's got. A, he has a kind of a funny laugh out loud, loud line where they're like explaining like how it will come back from the dead and everything, and he's like, "This thing is fucking fantastic." Yeah, <laughs> he is. He is good. Like him, Garrett Graham and Robert Vaughn, I think, are really the only ones that are kind of memorable in they're some way. They're pumping this, yeah. With juice and a and, bit. You, yeah. and what's crazy too is you can tell they're barely trying themselves, but they're just like the more talented people. On yeah, it, really. exactly. They're just much better at this. I mean, it's certainly not head of the class and current president <laughs> of uh, Paramount Children's Programming, Brian Robbins. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That dude, oh I mean, talk about winning the fucking lottery, man. Like, yeah, he was yeah. on head of the class, which was like sort of popular for a few seasons. He's in this movie. Great. 
He's gone on to be like literally like the president of Nickelodeon and now like <laughs> runs all of Paramount like family division stuff. Like dude has done well. Yeah. Uh, far beyond uh, Chud too. Also, <laughs> I want to put it on record. Uh, he produced the 2007 classic. And I because I just <laughs> looked this up not that long ago, over $200 million worldwide for Wild Hogs. Oh, Alan and Absolutely. Trump. Absolutely. Speaking of a home improvement Brian connection right between now. them now. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's a comedy classic That was a big payday for our boy Brian Robbins. Absolutely. Speaking of John Travolta, right. stay tuned for next week, everybody. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> We're talking Wild Hogs. Ooh. That's right. <laughs> I did that once a few years ago and I'm still getting over it. Yeah. Oh, cool. He was also the executive producer on Fred 2 Night of the Living Fred. Do you guys remember oh my Fred? God, the YouTube guy? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, he's executive God. producer on Fred the movie, too. Oh, was this somehow Smosh the movie, movie as well? Wow, Smosh the movie, got- too. That's nightmare fuel. That's wild. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Holy shit. That's insanity. He's had, uh, he's had a storied run, and it all yeah. began with <laughs> Bud Chud the Chud 2. Bud the Chud. It started that ball rolling. People went, the magnetic presence the mullet. of Brian Robbins. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, denim, the, 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 the mullet that he's got. because. Because after the opening bit where, you know, we are introduced to this, you know, this military program, there's a doctor in a tracking shot carrying like a reanimator needle filled mm-hmm. with green goop. And we're finding out that, you know, they're somehow they're taking the DNA or the enzymes from the previous chuds. Oh, uh, the chud like, enzyme. Well, uh, Josh, sorry. The, that's ch- right. the chud enzyme. That's right. <laughs> and they were like, what if we just like injected into people and see what happens? Like the soldier named Oliver who ends up being turned into uh Bud the Chud and obviously played by uh, Garrett Graham and also I have to assume named after Bub from Day of the Dead like there's oh, no I would yeah. guess so yeah because he could because Bub is also like the zombie who you know the, has a relationship with the doctor and he's actually talking with right. him and having him you know yep. do the little you know seeing what a life for zombies uh, after and there is a little uh, bit of that like kind of look physical like. slapstick humor with him it's just obviously done much better in that movie than than this <laughs> Um, you, oh, you're saying David Irving is not George Romero. <laughs> no, yeah, hot take. Yep, yeah. I'm saying yeah. it. I'm putting it not, on the record. Not, yeah, not not quite there. Uh, but but the, the the sort of inciting incident of all of this is that they freeze uh, uh, Bud the Chud because the program has been canceled. They are pursuing, for obvious reasons, other means of warfare. (laughs) (laughs) That that isn't just injecting your men with shit that makes them go crazy and want to eat people. Um, This doctor here that's like shutting everything down on Robert Vaughn is Priscilla Pointer, who kind of has the exact same role in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, where she's just like, you can't be using any more of that medicine and doing those sessions with those children and like shuts down that whole thing there. She's also, um, <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Oh, Mrs. Beaumont in, uh, in Blue, Blue Velvet. Velvet. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And um, they, they end up having to freeze uh, uh, Bud and because they aren't going to just destroy him because, you know, obviously because we need him to come back and start the movie. Uh, <laughs> but also because, you know, for Robert Vaughn, he's like, well, you know, who knows? Maybe down the line, this project gets greenlit again. So freeze right. him, store him at the uh, Podunk Town CDC, uh, which is 
as as Andrew mentioned, I have no idea where this is. This is California as the Midwest. Yeah, like is, that, is that what they're going for? Yeah. <laughs> Like Midwest or somewhere like also like maybe sort of like extreme Northeast because this sign just kind of felt like a sign you'd see in like a Stephen King adaptation or something. So it just like it was giving (laughs) off some like New England kind of vibes. But it's just I mean, it's California. We weren't leaving. We weren't leaving the valley (laughs) for Chud too. (laughs) No. No, well, and and I will say that that's kind of like an immediate problem for the film, uh, like just an immediate down uh, downgrade. Like other than what, and we'll get into it. A lot of those are very brutal juvenile uh, humor yeah. that, that appears through much much of the film that is very kids movie esque and effects know, and everything you know. else. Like the like they get rid of the violence and <laughs> yeah. stuff too. Well, so. that's what I mean. The the entire look, like yeah. so, like the generic lighting. There's no more grimy New York locations. All the military shit looks so cheap and shot in like empty rooms with like the only only dressing is just the uniform <laughs> most of the violence is dealt completely off screen and even the bits that are on screen you know aren't even trying to be like a horror film like it felt like they kind of used this as an excuse to be lazy because they were like well we're we're a, we're a cult movie we're a a comedy movie were more like stretches of it are more like weekend at Bernie's than any, oh, even a return of the living dead style movie of any kind. Big right? time <laughs> Bernie's vibes. Absolutely. I mean, here's the, I think, yeah. It's kind of interesting, Josh, you just inspired this thought with something you were saying, but, um, you know, Chud was a movie, like, they made it, you know, for better or worse, it was what it was, they released it theatrically, it made $4.7 million, and that was the end of it, and then became, like, a cult classic. What this movie is setting out to do, and this is why it, it skews it so much closer to, like, those shitty Sharknado movies or whatever. (laughs) They're going in with the intention of like, we're going to make a quote unquote cult movie. We're going to make a quote unquote bad movie. Like those things are most enjoyable when it's a spectacular failure that everyone did their best on. And it just, it just flamed out. And this movie is like just trying to cut to the cult status shit. Yeah. This is cynical. You can feel it. You can just yeah. like, cause that, that's, that is something that we were saying. It's like, even though maybe some of it in the first one can, can slow it down a little bit and there's, there's some, some dull moments that the seriousness is why it w- ends up working so well, because you can yeah. tell that everybody at least gave a shit about what they were doing on set. This does seem incredibly cynically made for the most part. Um, like, you know, the, the, the well, and there's so little skill presented in how, like, like, it's not like, Hey, we're making a kind of, kind of a shitty movie, but Hey, we can flex on like this really great horror sequence I yeah. want to do in the movie or something like right. you don't even get that, that vibe the number from it. of they didn't times, even try the number of times that this film has somebody just be led towards a bush and then they go into the bush <laughs> and then they get fucking eaten by these once again cartoonish sounds while they're getting some bitten. PA in the bush is yeah. like who and a lot of the just time like it's just wiggling an angry the bush poodle. back and forth <laughs> it's so like it's it's just yeah, it, it, there was really no. That's the thing. You can kind of make some PG gags still worthwhile, but they literally do the same one. I think like five to ten times. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. The only one that they well, kind of every do, late '80s comedy trend that they you can think of is probably in this movie. Like yeah. not just the theme songs or the way that the kids he's, talk to each other. He's dancing to aerobics at one point. Like oh he's enamored God, with the yeah. woman doing aerobics. It's yeah. kind of funny because this movie, for a quick second. In the first, the opening moments of the movie, you're like, is this a movie? Because it surprisingly starts with this really well done, like close to three and a half minute 
single take of this doctor. Yeah, the tracking shot through the elevator, yeah. right? It's almost like the hard-boiled shot. Yeah, he gets in on one yeah, floor and gets off at the other. <laughs> it's it's like, it has no business being in Chud 2, Bud the Chud, but you see that and you're like, totally. all right, like this could be something. And then immediately you're like, oh, it's nothing. Never mind. False oh, you're alarm. like, oh yeah, Brian Robbins and his nerdy friend and his, you know, and, and, and his friend Katie, who you know is there entirely to do her uh, swimsuit set piece that she does at the end. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, and, and they still and, paint it yeah, as the, like a, what I think is funny about that is they paint it, they set the whole thing up as if it's like a feminist, like individual thing that she's doing to oh, be pride. She made oh, the choice yeah. to do Because it. the yeah, whole time yeah. it has Kevin, who's the like nerdy guy. I think his name's Kevin. Uh, yeah, yes. the nerdy yeah. guy who's, who's trying to tell her like, no, I want you to stay safe because he has a crush on her and all of that. So, um, but, but her thing is like, well, I can go on adventures just like you guys can. I can, you know, play with the boys, that kind of thing. And then right. the, the big thing that they get by the end with her is she gets to go into a bathing suit and lure all the, 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 the zombies that <laughs> seem to less want to eat her and more do other things. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty in wild of, in a sense. It's so funny too, because like, here she is like that, the big, you know, finale in the school pool. Um, she has the line, like, I'm going to get my swimsuit. It's in my locker or something like that. Yeah. This is like sexy town, like slink wear pool attire. And I'm oh, like, yeah. in what fucking high school phys ed for a class? Team, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> not. You're not going to qualify with that thing on. No way. <laughs> yeah. It didn't seem like the most aerodynamic. Think about how thing, slow. You know? Think about all the traction you're yeah, taking. Exactly. Seriously, I mean, I don't know if you should be racing with side boob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's it's it is very comical, and they even it's kind of weird too because they do. I'm pretty sure they're teenagers, um, and in the part where you know Bud is essentially in love with her. He when when she's revealed in the in the bathing suit, they all of them turn to her and they all at the same time say like yum yum yum. Yes, it's so yum, yum. fucking. <laughs> it's like American Pie shit or something, but you're watching a, like zombies do this, like Porky's. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah the the comedy the the sort of like weird teen sex comedy hijinks of the movie is such like a bizarre choice because yeah. it did remind me again weekend at bernie's is kind of like one point of reference but also like encino man a little bit yeah with like mm-hmm. a little bit of like bud kind of getting his groove on while he's walking <laughs> around the city and all that kind yeah, of like stuff. he's it's starting to like, like kill people and steal their blazers and jewelry and stuff like that <laughs> like I, I thought well because he's got to in, he's got to impress katie yeah, which is like right the, like the weirdest element of this whole thing is it's a teen sex comedy for an otherwise like completely PG movie where like no other character is horny or no one like it's literally just Bud. Bud is the one character who is like, yeah, Katie's cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the um the when you get the reveal, uh, you know, that Kevin has this this crush on Katie is like there's some it's like a dust up that they have at like a diner or something where he is doing that like no, you can't do this, you know, because he has this crush on her or whatever. And she pulls this, like, uh, rightfully, this, like, who are you to fucking tell me what I can and can't do? And she storms <laughs> off, and he's just like, because I like you. What was that, Kevin? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it is brutal, dude. He's the only one that's still sitting at the table, and it's like, because I like you. <laughs> oh. That's the thing. It's like, it, some of the time you can kind of find some 
it's like I don't know. It can be adorable or whatever when the nerd finally gets the the girl or whatever. And this yeah. he's presented as really pathetic and in a way that you do not <laughs> want to really cheer for him. Um, no. <laughs> and that is tough because and another thing to tie in not only to the the love dynamic but just the teenagers themselves they are royally fucking up this town and they don't yes. seem to give a <laughs> shit for the entire time even when the the I, government like I also want to say though the town seems a little fucked up because the oh, one because sure. the, the opening <laughs> incident is like they they are trying to get, replace a cadaver meant for their high school science class yeah, yeah. That's and i went up. And I went, who who dissects a cadaver yeah, that's from a funeral home in their high school science? That can't possibly be a thing. I yeah, think here's advanced. what it might be, though. <laughs> it, like, well, it's super advanced, but it's also like <laughs> eerie small towner stuff, man. It's like, you know, the teacher. <laughs> oh, Stephen King funeral yeah, home. Yeah, shit, like the I teacher see. goes yeah, yeah. to the morgue guy. Killed, <laughs> <laughs> killed it so that he could be like, hey, can I borrow that? Oh, yeah, you can loan loan out this corpse absolutely it's small town america that's totally totally acceptable yeah. it also is weird because like when you see them in class they're working on frogs which i never had to do this did you guys have to do this in high school did you have to dissect frogs i, I didn't i, I got, didn't have to do frogs i i had to do a pig oh my god oh Christ. wow oh damn we had yeah. to do a worm that was it <laughs> a worm you had a pig yeah that's you had a yeah, veterinary was, high school you know, it was like it was like it was, it was like it was like a little baby pig. Oh, I think Christ. it was even worse. Jeez, <laughs> still yeah, be traumatized. That'd be fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! But it's it's such a jump in like experience levels because the teacher's like, oh, very good. Everyone dissected the frogs well. Good news tomorrow. A person. Jumping it up a notch. Like you yeah, have like, like by the way, slips you, or something. You guys have detention, and none of you better hit my corpse <laughs> into the middle of a street with your dick like a Stooges gag. It yeah. is some serious like Three Stooges and comedy. It's funny to and think not in too the that good, the. Um, oh, sorry, dude. Go ahead. Oh no! Uh, it's funny to, too to think that the the kids are like when that happens. You know, they 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 lose the cadaver. It goes down the street. They they have a problem, and and the first thing they're like, well, instead of just admitting it and maybe getting suspended, maybe expelled, let's do, go commit a felony and trespass on government <laughs> property and steal a fucking cadaver. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I totally understand your point, but also, is it a crime if you literally stroll in and out? <laughs> yeah, that, like they didn't break through a fence. Dude, yes, they didn't totally. sneak. They didn't steal a security card from anyone. Sure. I think the guy even says there's videotape of them walking in and grabbing it. They're like, who was on security from the CDC? That night? Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that guy deserves to be fired. Also, whoever <laughs> dropped off the corpse to the the loading bay where it's just sitting out in the open. Yeah, and then you left that door. door open. I mean, yeah, Kevin is the one who sort of like accidentally like humps the table for some reason. Like his pelvis just flies <laughs> forward, the force yeah. of which sends this corpse flying into traffic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they have like, like rock music yeah. going and everything. That's the tone oh, well, as well. That's like how you know, you know, you're in a even comedy. though it's it's a, it's a kind of scary situation, it's always party time in this movie. Yes, like burner now, burner now. You're, you're going to be having a good time with Chud too. 
Even when they're doing <laughs> fucked up things, which is another thing that I actually enjoyed. It's two seconds, but it was it got a chuckle out of me when they went as extreme to have Steve literally kick the fucking dog down the stairs when he's trying <laughs> to get the cadaver up in his room. I'm like, that was really wild. I didn't expect that at all. So I, I almost yeah, wish- that is the full on weekend at Bernie's shit that yeah. they were doing there. Yeah. When they're like, let's drag the body into the house, but while my parents are busy watching a nature documentary or something they're like don't look mom and dad we're gonna carry our new friend into the bathtub and that's like where we're we're compiling too much bad comedy at the same time because it's (laughs) It's like yeah (laughs) yeah because it's like the bad (laughs) shit where we're trying to get this corpse up the stairs weekend at bernie style and then also like the parents are kind of like they're not dumb but they're just like little one-liner machines yeah like there's there's one part later where you know the guy says something about like his mother and the woman says like, your mother looked like Humphrey Bogart. And he's just yeah. like, oh, my mother never smoked that many cigarettes or something yeah, like no, that. Yeah, he's, he, he's berating her for all of the uh, like, like health products that she was planning on using in her bathtub. Yeah. Like my mom didn't have to use that. And, she- <laughs> and so they're like watching some nature documentary and they're like, oh, look, Steven, it's penguins and they're fucking. Isn't that interesting? And I'm like, yeah. you don't need to be funny. There's supposed to be funny going on in the background. You're supposed to be like the straight characters really invested in this documentary, but not funny at all. Yeah, but yeah, because it because it would be a perverse situation in that case right. if it was like you know if they were just like serious parents and you know just have you know exactly. trying to have a normal domestic evening with their son, but no, they're riff machines. Yep. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, that movie Dead Heat. It works so well because there's only one Joe Piscopalia or whatever his name is. You know, yeah, when you yeah have, it's everyone is yeah. Joe Piscopalia. Fifteen <laughs> of them. You're like, please <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my god, dude! A fucking entire movie made up of Joe Piscopos. Count me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did buy that Vinegar Syndrome Dead Heat 4K. It looks great. Oh, it's 4K Dead Heat. looks yeah. amazing. It's fucking great. That was one of the, I want to say like bottom 15, like the first 15 episodes of We Hate Movies. One of those was Dead Heat. Um, it's so yeah, well, yeah. Well, and also speak about a movie that's punched up by like a guy, like a filmmaker with just chops. Like yeah. that's all it takes totally. in a movie. Like it's like you can have baffling parody esque material. Dead Heat absolutely is. It's literally yeah. a Shane Black's brother wrote it. It's um, like a C tier Shane Black people doing way too much comedy. But that movie is a blast because it rubs up against how actually horrifying <laughs> and nasty the body horror can be in the Carpenter esque practical effects that they're doing and the insane squib work and just how far it commits to what if a zombie shot another zombie with an uzi but it didn't do anything because they he's just, just fucking zombie and each just explode Which each other's that, bodies yeah, and it's like it's that perfect fusion of both worlds coming together and they just did a such a great job of of that and then yeah, this one like like a zombie comedy can be funny if you actually have the filmmaking chops to commit to the fact that you're making an actual zombie movie and making it indistinguishable from the actual thing right. and this just never goes to that place like at all like for it's instance, totally comfortable just having characters riff in sitcom lighting the whole time yeah like for instance when eventually it gets to the 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 big like dance where they're gonna have this giant feeding frenzy or whatever you don't really get to see much of a feeding frenzy for one and they try to do this almost like choreographed dance musical sequence almost with the zombies oh yeah but when they're walking much- in yeah, when they're walking in and then it seems when they're cutting back actually yeah, you're right. When they're walking in, they're not even zombies yet, but everyone at the dance seems to have this like choreography down as if they've been practicing for weeks. I thought that that was kind of funny and <laughs> weird and stupid. 
Um, but even as they're starting to, to turn people in the dance, when the, when the zombies get there, they really are just doing like this strange kind of plain choreography while they're dancing. There's not much of a feeding frenzy. I was kind of hoping that they'd have like maybe that, that same dance feel, but in the background you'd have people getting tackled and, and then they start to zombie dance or some shit. Just make it stupid, but make it, I don't know, creative. And, and it's just very plain and dry a lot of the time, oddly enough. Basically the whole like middle of this movie, when you're not with the kids trying to do whatever it is they think they're trying to do in this movie. You're just watching, like, but the- their decisions are fucking baffling. Yes. Like, I couldn't, like, 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 the, like, when when they wake Bud up in the bathtub by like accidentally thawing and electrocuting him yeah. because he was using the hair dryer for some reason. Yeah. That I didn't because really Brian Robbins has this fucking horseman mullet in this movie. Is that what he was doing? He was just blowing his mullet. I, 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 I thought. I thought he the hair dryer was on for some reason. I don't know. I thought yeah. he was trying to unfreeze but I was like, Is the, that the zombie because don't they have them like cryogenically frozen or some shit? Oh, oh maybe, that's maybe right. Maybe that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then yeah, and then and then he drops it in the bathtub and it wakes him up and he screams and he's been reanimated and they're all like, well, "You got a live stiff in your mom's bathroom, <laughs> man. We've cured death. We could get an A in biology for this or like a Nobel Prize. Oh, man. And, you know, like this is the kind of shit that they're just going on every. I'm like. Do one of the lines. You could just do one of the lines. You don't need to do <laughs> yeah. like four or five of yeah. them. You know, it's 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 totally fine. And the only thing that this is really saved by is that Garrett Graham is doing some kind of fun physical comedy and mugging yeah. when he's kind of given the opportunity. But yeah. the kids around him, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? One of the first things they do is he wakes up in the house. They lock him in the basement and they go, well, that's dealt with. We don't need to. F- yep. It's over. We're not going to do anything else with this. Do you want to go for a burger? And go talk to Katie and tell her what's going on. And they're like, well, don't we have a zombie in yeah, the Yeah, it seems like and, a situation. And, yeah. He's like, no, it's like, fine. He'll be here in like two hours yeah. when we when we get back. I and locked he immediately the breaks door. out, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like every, every character decision they make is built to be so fucking stupid that they can propel the, the plot to just keep going. And, you know, I guess in, if they were thinking maybe it was like, that's funny, maybe like that that's part of the spoof. But they're just frustratingly dumb, and I and I think that <laughs> it, instead of making it funny, you're just kind of like you just yeah. you want them to die. You you want them yeah. to become <laughs> zombies. Well, and, you know? and that's the kind of thing you could forgive if it's like, oh, they did that as an excuse to like get to a set piece. Sure. But the set piece yeah. is never coming. Right. I know. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like I said, it's just bushes, baby. That's all it is. Just yeah. just bushes, no the, blood, and a crunch sound. That's what you get half the time. You got the bush attacks, and then what? Also, winds up happening is the movie kind of breaks down into what you see is like Bud making his little chud army. And it's literally just all of these vignettes of Bud going around the town. Like yeah. Bud finds mm-hmm. the aerobics instructor. Bud goes uh, to the barber To the shop. barber. Bud yeah. sees that <laughs> drunk guy taking a piss. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's that repeatedly. And then you get weird shit like um, mashes Larry Linville as like this, this doctor who's boozing and it's he's doing like a whole bit he's really missing the days of playing major frank burns on match i'll tell you what like (laughs) he's just going on it's nonsense he's supposed to be drunk it's supposed to be funny and then he's doing an autopsy on the postman that got turned uh into a chud by the poodle yeah uh, in that hilarious scene and then he's just magically a chud like the Chud recruitment uh, scene after scene after scene 
it's not funny. It's not no. fun. Like, you just no. feel bad. These people sitting there like, you know, this one's going to be really funny, but that one's even funnier. We are making the funniest zombie comedy. <laughs> this is going to be so great. No, gag after what gag was funnier was hearing people talk about it and like describe it. And like, because like all of this is just Bud walking around town, infecting people to like an 80s pop rock, like <laughs> drum and synth beats, basically. Yeah. And you're kind of like, OK, this is after the like the second time it happens. You're like, OK, OK, I kind of I kind of get like what's happening here. <laughs> but listening to the general talk to like his scientists about it and stuff like that is hilarious because he's operating purely, as they say it, on his chudified brain. <laughs> Just consuming and spreading. And at one point, this is one of the only laughs it actually got out of me, which is completely straight-faced performance. The guy goes, Chudism is a disease that cannot be stopped. A plague, if you will. Yeah. And... It, it, and it later goes into the general saying that these are very hungry people with bad complexions and a brain that doesn't know when to stop. And we're just going to have to fry them, bastards. So bring them boys down and we're going to have ourselves a barbecue <laughs> while he's like laughing to himself. Yeah. Like Robert Vaughn is like the closest this gets to someone, I guess, kind of on the wavelength of the humor that is supposed to be there. Yeah. He's and, hamming uh, it like crazy. Like, that's why it works. Yeah, like that that's the stuff that mostly worked for me. All the other stuff I was like, "Oh, I I see why this is funny or I see why this is supposed to be funny." Right. Yeah. Like the stuff with the the jazzercise aerobics like leopard leopard print woman who's just like angrily screaming at her TV about how the <laughs> instructor is a neo-Nazi. Neo oh, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. That, that lady's got some yeah. issues. The 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 insult <laughs> well, is so long and and kind of harsh that I got it kind of got a chuckle out of me, but it is a very <laughs> out of place strange piece of dialogue. Um, and in the, the montages of him being turned and everything, I think they, like, like I said, there's just a bunch of that, those Bush sequences. I think they have <laughs> one blood gag, which is with the barber. And the only thing they do is they imply the cut and then cut away to a wall and then just splatter some blood Getting on it. Getting squirted like ketchup. Yeah, it's yeah. essentially <laughs> it. Um, one, one physical thing that kind of made me chuckle was when the poodle was uh, attacking the the mailman and it's one it's most of it didn't work but the one shot did work for me dragging him where, across yeah, the lawn just to see yes. that small little <laughs> yeah. thing drag him across the lawn i don't they must have like had rope pulling him or something it, it, it's very funny i did think that that was yeah decent. the physicality is ridiculous enough yeah. that you're kind of like all right yeah i know, thought that that was okay enough. um it was the only but, time yeah. in the movie that i was like wow how'd they do it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah because, because most of this movie really is both just the military being like oh they let our you know crazy experiment out and it's infecting people and then the kids also looking for bud around town because they're trying to beat each other to it so that like no one gets in trouble because yeah you know it's you know the military is going to look bad the kids are going to look bad everyone's going to look bad if you know they aren't the ones who who find it and bud is again just going around town getting haircuts stealing clothes going in sino man mode essentially and it's very um like uh they, they try to create like a series of of you know sort of goofy scenes about this mm -hmm. and the kids are just so annoying yeah and don't <laughs> have like anything to really do it really is kind of like the military is more like the motivating factor of this section of the film like when they roll up to steve's house and they're just like tell your kid he's dead meat <laughs> oh, and, but again it might, it might just be robert vaughn once again just kind of chewing the delivery a little bit yeah. but like uh and there's also what there's that sequence where they hit up the barn too right which yeah. is the uh 
Yeah, and that's actually because I'm trying to think. All the military ones are like uh, the only action scenes that take place, or Robert Vaughn firing a bazooka into a a fucking burger joint filled with like teen zombies trying to eat meat. That's fucking great. And I also love (laughs) his uh, when he turns on that truck and he's like, "Well, we don't want them bastards following us," and he just blows up this pickup truck. Yeah. Also excellent. Yeah, w- yeah. How did they afford an explosion for this? That's like the only big action gesture in the whole movie it. is Robert Vaughn firing a bazooka. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that actually like, I don't know if it was a miniature, but they, they have like a full on explosion for the restaurant. So I was, I was kind of yeah. shocked by that, to be honest. I wasn't expecting anything at, at that level, especially just given all the cutaways from the, the gore and all of that. Um, right. But yeah, this is right after that is when they get to the, to the farm or the barn. The barn. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and honestly, like this is where it's like you needed the director to take it to that next level. Yes. Like, the, the, the way that he shoots even just like because they use a variety of weapons in that scene, like someone grabs a pitchfork, someone mm. grabs a shotgun. People are being blown through walls. And it's like it's one of those things where like someone could really make a scene like that pop. And this just does feel like a, you know, like a, a TV or a comedy filmmaker was just like, yeah, well, I'll just shoot the coverage of this and the kids will just, you know, react to it. And that's, you know, kind of all, all we need, essentially. Yeah. And even with some of the fun ideas I, I really do feel like i've seen it before like i i'm almost certain i've seen the the zombie get his head like cut his off head falling and off kicking and it around him accidentally kicking it. Yeah. yeah so even the ones that i thought were like genuinely funny and kind of creative i felt like i've seen them before and they're just generically covering them too there, there isn't a lot to do with the the style of any of these things like even the big shotgun shot that one of the zombies gets and he goes through like one of the the barn walls it's yeah. pretty much just like, you know, camera, place it there. He shoots it through. You know, you, you get the excitement of someone getting wire pulled through a wall, but it's just it, it is very dry and generic. I feel like there's and no style. Yeah, I, I was not watching this and going, this guy shows a lot of spunk. Yeah. About the director. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And there's just um, and that's the thing is that it's so silly that there's there was room for it. It just feels like it, it's a little bit phoned in. On I don't know why moments. else you make this movie yeah, unless know, you right? want to direct that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You, you got to look at the script like this and be like, well, this is obviously ridiculous and, and stupid and juvenile and whatever. So let's let's amp it up. If we have a big farm action sequence, let's get some. I mean, maybe they were trying to make it PG, which is why there's a lack of blood. But at the very least, you could have more. But like, it wasn't zombie PG, right? Gags. This is R. This I looked this R? up. This is R-rated. Robert yeah. Vaughn I mean, they definitely call says fuck at that one point. Um, okay, yeah. I, I can't believe this is R. This It, then it, it, it might have been then the lightest R budget. of 1989 ever given, but yeah. it was an R. <laughs> then it has to be purely budget or uh, laziness with, with those gags, like with the, with the yeah. zombie kills, because that's insane to be rated R, and you have next to no blood you, like, or anything. Like, I just, that's, Wow. I really thought this was like a maybe. It, maybe it was the <laughs> one now. out of nowhere prison rape joke. Maybe that was it. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, did you guys catch like, that no, one? Did where, I miss Robert, that? Where, yeah, the, the one where Robert Vaughn is talking to Steve, and he's basically like, "You know what they do to guys? Oh, that's prison. right. You guys are going to go to oh, prison right, for yeah. this." And I and I was oh, like, "Where did yeah. that come from?" <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. Because you have the the I friggin, forgot about that. Uh, you know, of course they have to be like taken into custody, and there's the ubiquitous like. We're trying to interrogate them, and it's a lot of like, up yours, government guy. And then, like, <laughs> Katie's like, I know how my rights work. I want a phone call or whatever. And you're just like, man, where are them zombies? I think I'll never say this about anything, <laughs> yeah. but like, what this movie really could have uh, served well to do is really bring in more military. Like, like, 
more military yeah. and get the kids out of it. Like then at least like, cause you have Robert Vaughn really going big. It would kind of be like a shitty, shitty zombie strange love. Maybe if you really focused on like <laughs> gags about the military, military critique in some way, but like, yeah, it just got Brian Robbins and that mullet farting all over this movie. And it, <laughs> Fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm a fan of mullets on this show, but it's my least favorite mullet. I'm saying it right here. It's All a right? it's an out of control mullet, and yeah, you know it's, got, it's like yeah, it kind of right in the control. middle. It's it's like no not long enough to be like, wow, that's a scuzzy mullet. Like so, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's an inadequate mullet in every in any way you could think of. You know, in terms of <laughs> Might like be the worst you know. sin of the movie, a bad mullet. It, yeah, no, absolutely, because he just looks like <laughs> shit. I mean, it's like, it's 1988 when they made this, you know, everyone looks like garbage. The the style at the time <laughs> yeah. for, you know, poor uh, what's-his-face, too. Um, yeah, they would have been shooting this when they when Dead Heat had come out and Joe Piscopo, yep. big old oh, mullet. Yeah. Yes, oh, absolutely. Andy's oddly yep. and uncomfortably yep. jacked in that movie. I, yeah, that always <laughs> yeah. baffles me every time I go back to it. I'm like, dude, you, why are you so ripped for this? And like, you can see it on the poster, <laughs> like him and Treat Williams are doing like the guns back to back thing. And his yeah. arm is just juicetacular, man. I mean, it is yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, most of the time he's just making jokes about his wife, the whole film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good uh, Vincent Price at the end of that movie too. Oh yeah. I, I, I will say it. Brian Robbins, he makes Joe Piscopo. He makes me miss him. Yeah. He makes me miss the the, the, the the comedy skills of Mr. Joe Piscopo. Yeah. He wasn't like because, bad on that head of the class sitcom, but it was kind of just the same character mm, um, okay. that he's playing here. The same sort of like, ain't I a stinker kind of instigator yeah. guy. Well, and, and the thing is, is you don't have to make a movie like this with like children that, you know, aren't fun to hang out with. Because part of something <laughs> that it reminded me of that we've talked about, we had Trevor Henderson on the podcast, I think maybe last year. And we talked about specifically, we, we talked about sort of like kids Halloween movies. Oh, yeah. uh, and we did one called Midnight Hour, um, which was actually kind of fun. It almost uh -huh. operated uh, almost like a sort of like a music video hangout. Like kids are actually at the party and yeah. it had some sort of they even did some of the stuff that this tries to do. Yep. Um where like the creatures wake up at night and it's Halloween night and none of the town recognizes and they kind of have the you know the the monsters come and party with yeah, them. Yeah, they have but a the dance sequence like, and everything. They had some yeah, and th but they were creative with it. Yep. And there is a part with like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if like the vampire character or the zombie character like drank the alcoholic punch that they put in there <laughs> and started getting kind of like drunk at the party and like they turned it into creative set pieces yep. like that, even in, in that film. And that's like an ABC like television film. Yeah, that one uh, definitely uh, was. Oh, so the <laughs> So, so so this is like sub ABC television <laughs> film in terms of it's like, you know, actual creative use of the zombies are out and about on Halloween night and hanging out with the trick or treaters. Although I will say once again, maybe again, it's it's all Robert Vaughn power, but the delivery yeah. of that one line where he was like, oh, my God, I forgot it's Halloween. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is great <laughs> because it's like the way he delivers it, it's like he's disappointed that he like has to work. You know what I mean? Like he's a dude yeah. that really loves Halloween. Oh fuck my favorite holiday. I've been wrapped up in all this chud business. I completely forgot. I didn't even plan a costume. 
Yeah, well, and and it's also that he's like, oh, my God, I forgot everyone is like out and about tonight hanging out and like no one's going to give a shit that there's zombies walking right. around. They're going to look like they're in costumes like this is not going to be. And immediately, I'm pretty sure that that is cut to it's like uh, it, it, it's the kids, the old couple letting all of the trick or treater chud kids in and them eating them all and stuff like that. It's so, it's so like, great. Yeah. Um, this reminded me of oh fuck, what is that trauma movie? Um, a caution, uh, children at play. I think it's called. Oh, I don't know. I've seen that. It's yeah, like that. it's basically like a um, a feature length version of this scene, like with these kids. It's like a okay something happens. I don't know if it's like a comet passes by, poisoned water, what the deal is. The kids in a town start becoming like homicidal. And it's just like these adults having to take out kids. It's kind of wild. <laughs> also awesome. vibes of uh, Bloody Birthday, if you've seen that movie. I do like Bloody Birthday, that movie's a That movie's a wild ride, man. And that's like a weird, oh, we were three kids born during like some sort of lunar eclipse or something. And then like yeah. on their eighth birthday or whatever, they turn homicidal and start killing adults. Fabulous yeah, that's genre. one of my, that is, because I have started a, a list and I eventually <laughs> will share it when I've eventually actually cohered it all together. But I have a private list that I've been building for years nice. called the Fuck Them Kids Canon. <laughs> oh, yes. And, oh, yeah. And that one is is on there because it is not a particularly like bloody slasher. It's not the most like shocking one that you'll watch, no. especially from, from the 80s. But the procedural quality of just creepy as hell children totally. slowly walking towards you and being like, we're going to fucking kill you. Like, it's actually, <laughs> it kind of got under my skin a little bit. Just the depiction of evil children. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I could have used a little bit here, too. Evil children or more children carnage. Where yes. is the, uh, we, we have... just watched Evil Dead Rise and we praised that that movie was willing to, uh, just fuck those kids up. And this one, <laughs> nah, they, you know. Well, that's what's funny, right? Because when we get to the, the swimming pool at the end, like the big chud trap, such as it is, none of those chud extras falling in that pool are those little kids, which is fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. you show me those little kids. I want to see some exploding chuds. children. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You <laughs> bet <laughs> your ass I want to see kids explode. You're goddamn right I do. If those kids can kill movie, off. You explode yeah. a kid. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah, that's an extra star and a half right there. Kids yeah. blowing up. Yep. yep. <laughs> Done. Good film. Comically blowing up. Not not yes. like, you know, yeah. serious. Oh, yeah, you like, have to, the whole procedure, you have to freeze them and then you have yes. to take them out with like this, uh, I guess it's the electricity that mixes. I don't really understand how it all works with the Oh, the, the movie doesn't either. Don't worry judge. about that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just it definitely needed more explosion. No, nothing about this finale makes sense. Even them getting into the dance when the girl who's like taking the tickets or the like the like the tuck girl is there. Because that's and, supposed you know, to be funny. Like, that's another suppo supposed yeah. scene of comedy you see well it's right but it's just like she's like are you guys from a rival school and i was like these are local middle-aged men yeah totally like, yeah, these, that's the thing like nothing these, these are like it's it's like you understand the joke they're going for but nothing that you're seeing visually translates to anything they say a lot of the time so you're like this no. like you have to connect both it can't just be the idea of the joke visually you have to present it as well and they just never do it's very strange well because i was gonna say like a funnier example right after that scene and a joke that kind of works is the one girl when all of the they all roll up and they kind of look cool and everyone's like wow sick fucking costumes oh, yeah. guys yeah. as they roll yeah. into the dance one girl goes is that my dad yes and i was like see that's funny <laughs> yep. like that's the situation yeah i was like you know like that's that's a response that they came up with the situation they had a character naturally react to it 
And that just weirdly enough, that seemed to otherwise kind of escape through. And you know, with that joke, the rest of this movie, it's kind of funny with that joke, right? Because basically, what the world of the movie is is this one town, right? And we're in this town the whole time. And as far as the movie's concerned, there's no other real world, right? It's just this town. So it's the only time sort of where like they mention something outside of the town and it's like, no, 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 no. We're told this is a small, tiny town. So you would recognize like, that's not a person from a rival high school. Like that doesn't exist in this town, but that would be the milkman. <laughs> yeah, that's my bar. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's like they know how to make the the correct kind of joke for the situation sometimes, but then times yeah. like this ticket taking gag it's just, oh, this would be funny. And yes, in another yes. scenario yeah. where it was a town that had a rivalry with whatever, yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. But not for Chud yeah. 2. Do West Side Story zombies <laughs> if you really wanted to commit to it. You know, right. you could do it. You know, that, that it's there. But you awesome. again, you have to, you do have to actually come up with the sequences to make, you know, right. to, you know creatively make that actually make some sort of sense you can't yeah. just like grab some uh, halloween store dentures and put them in a dog and you're <laughs> even, like okay there we go even some of the more like like when they try to do almost heartfelt sentiments like when they have um uh when they have bud come up to katie at the end and like pull his heart out literally and physically <laughs> yeah. show it to her like i like that thought um but they just don't do a lot of setup for actual like romance with bud and and katie or like bud is basically you get the the you know the infatuation where he takes the picture um you have the one very strange moment where he says yum 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 with everybody in the gym when her bathing suits are revealed (laughs) and then you get the physical heart thing and i'm just like i like the idea of that physical heart being presented but it's just it doesn't connect with anything else that we've seen there's been no sentimentality whatsoever in this so it's just like yeah there's 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 these things that work like on a surface level but then they just don't work within the context of the of the film and that whole thing like his infatuation with her like i get it right you're trying to do like a frankenstein's monster thing yes yeah. But the problem is, it's not like the monster giving a flower to a little girl. It's this like 40 year old monster <laughs> and this girl that we're told is totally in high school. And yeah. he's just like, mm, <laughs> yum. Yeah, it's Are not you? the same relationship. There, there's not like a monster and innocence like and humanity. purity. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> it, they're literally making like a sex comedy gag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they try to get all sentimental it just doesn't quite work doesn't quite no. work but they do have no. garrett graham doing this very sweet voice for bud at that point where he's like please yeah i did please. i did when he said please i kind of like that but yeah it's just so it's so it's so disconnected unfortunately and the, like every gag like we've said is like that uh, not every gag yeah. but yeah, a, the, lot the, the, a lot the, of them a lot the only thing i kind of liked about this finale is that there, there's an image that i think another filmmaker would have really milked that mm. they kind of had which was just when they actually do get them all into the pool and they start uh you know freezing it with the uh yeah. um fire extinguishers or whatever and they create this like really thick layer of like dry 
ice fog over all of the corpses mm-hmm. stuck in there. Yep. And very briefly, I was thinking about all of those corpses covered in ash at the end of like the beyond or something. Oh, and I was totally. like, wow, an actual horror filmmaker would absolutely milk <laughs> this image and go in for the gruesome close ups of them. And, you know, before exploding them. Yeah. No, once again, this one's more, it's more focused on the kids being like, wow, if the teach was here, he would have given us an A for that. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and after that's, they explode him. I think they like figure yeah, it's out after what they to figure do. out how to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then they, and then they cut away again before mullet can ax buddy's head. And I'm like, well, oh, that's on, right. at least True. give us that. Like for the love of God. <laughs> and what's, yep. and what's weird too, is that Katie actually responds kind of like she's upset with the violence that's being done to bud, uh, after that moment that they, that they shared, but then they never yeah. go back to that either. They just, when they nope. exit out after the, like exit the building, they're just, you know, they're holding, um, they're, they're holding Steve and cause he got bitten in the, uh, the foot. Uh, and so they're, they're holding him, they're bringing him back and, and that whole, like kind of conflict I guess that it could have been is gone and you know they don't do anything with it so oh, yeah, and just, he's like oh this is all my fault and they're like no it's not oh, Steve and I was like yes, yes it, it is it totally is he's like what does he say he's like this is a movie about friendship and I was like was it oh well okay because they do stupid people <laughs> they do choke you with that detail about the three of them like we've been friends since we were little and I'm like, right. man I fucking get it yeah, no and they're supposed to be opposites. Like he's the nerd, and Steve's the kind of bad boy, like free spirit guy. Like yeah. it's, it's very. Oh wait, well, and, and and he's gonna go hit the road with his zombie buddies and leave it so that the cute girl can be with the nerd, of course, because they belong together. It's the, yeah, it's all and that nerd in that you know final sequence with that guy. You better believe his glasses are off. There's a handsome <laughs> fella under there. If you can oh, even believe oh it. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any Who glasses. What a loser with those glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's so yeah it's it's so it's very like 80s uh teen comedy wrap-up um it's got all the cliches everything that you would think is going to happen in that sense definitely does and yeah it's it's like they try to do a little bit of a gag with having steve like get picked up by other zombies including robert vaughn who's in the back um but it's just right. i don't know it, it, it the gag is is still pretty flat they were setting it up yeah, yeah. yeah ready for chud uh bud the chud 3 buds yeah. i don't know well, how it's like you? so they, it would be if it's the three of these chuds cuz the other chud by the way is bianca jagger um figure that out and so it's the three <laughs> of them and that dog and you got that pickup truck Traveling by night. That's like a Jim Jarmusch movie right there that I would watch. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Like Jim Jarmusch for Chud 3, Chud's on the Road. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. uh the beginning of or the beginning of that Bigelow vampire film where they like oh, have near the dark, family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, there it is. I could see it happening. That there's kind of a good movie there. Yeah, there's someone an- tr- who was supposed to oh, I think Rob Zombie at one point wanted to like reboot. Or like do a Chud movie or something. That'd oh, be that, interesting. Honestly, I would have been interested in that. Oh, yeah. At least he would bring back the disgusting factor. And I will say honestly, the one there was one part in here where when all of the zombies are blending into the Halloween dance and they are doing the monster mash with everyone, everything that they're doing, <laughs> it did actually remind me of one of the 
things I liked about his new Monsters movie, which is when they travel to the new town and ev- it's Halloween yeah. and everyone is like, wow, look at our new neighbors. We're all monsters. This is great. And then they wake up the next day and it's like it's a normal suburb and they're <laughs> horrified. I was saying they're going like, yeah, that that version of this might be a little bit fun seeing, you know, seeing how Bud actually reintegrates into society. Oh, or, yeah. You yeah. Know, or <laughs> yeah, I think Zombie would have a, a lot more interesting things to say with this kind of a with this kind of a story. And also it's sort of fitting because one of the other like vibes that um, Garrett Graham's performance gives off here is Herman Munster. Totally. Oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, totally. and like, so like Especially that performance that please part, like where he has the oh, heart in his hand and saying, please, yeah. that was, I was, yeah, totally big time. And just all those things mixed with like the just piss poor, like child humor, like childish humor. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, was just God, rampant yeah. on a show like the Munsters. Like, yeah. Yeah. I could see Rob Zombie really doing something, but uh, that would have to be an adaptation from Chud too, not I'd the be gritty. If he'd he have to both. do both. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he puts one and two together in some way. I think, I think he could pull that off, honestly. Maybe one day. <laughs> I'd be interested, man. I would totally yeah, see it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, less less weekend at Bernie's, more like Hooper esque uh, people torturing each other or something, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what he comes up with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, it ends on once again, the, the big old, you could tell they were so impressed with it too. The big old theme song, the, I'm a hungry man. And then it kicks in and yeah, I'm going to have to ask Jamie at the very end of this episode to play it just so that people have an idea of what it is. That hungry man Uh, part, man, like he's fucking Wolfman Jack. Like I don't get the appeal of any of that. It's just not (laughs) funny. I do. I forgot this part too. That aerobics girl, when she first sees Bud, she's like ready to go. Uh, oh, are you heterosexual? Like oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. It's, it's funny like too because his whole look like already looks pretty bad. Like he's got the green skin and everything. And it's only until he smiles where she's like, "No, I'm out of here. This, it's not happening any yes. longer." But anyway, they do a good. No, no, don't, don't you see? An older woman is desperate for sex. That's really funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she's willing to fuck this monster you see uh, yeah, for yeah. comedy they have yeah. a, there's a decent callback too when they're at the pool and like they're walking to the pool and she is has been shotified at this point and she sees bud and is like oh hey bud and he does it garrett graham does a great like look away like oh fuck she saw me it's really funny oh i actually forgot about that one maybe i missed it because that does sound it's a total like really quick like as they're rushing i think it's when they're rushing to get into the pool maybe like kind of right around there and he's like oh shit (laughs) it's really great garrett graham acting (laughs) i hate the uh the whole thing with the the wrap up here where steve writes this letter and it's just this like oh my god i'm going i'm going out and i'm gonna see the world I feel sorry for the world, right? (laughs) Hey, uh, you kids should get together. You've you've always been a cute couple. And I'm like, what 35-year-old wrote this for him? Like, it's just something that a child would, a child in high school would not write. That line of just like, feel sorry for the world. It's fucking so funny, but not in the context of the movie, but just the thought of it is hilarious. Oh my I God. love when she pulls up. It's kind of great because like the nerd is standing there like with his sort of like leaning on a tree or something. And this actress is doing the driving here. Um, it's Trisha Lee Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And like this actress fucking slides up with this car super fast and like jams on the brake. Like it is some dangerous driving here that's going on. I love when shit like that gets caught on film. Like clearly she was just driving like a little too fast for the take and they just left it in. Like here's the (laughs) one where she almost kills him. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But uh, yeah, I think that is going to wrap it up on Chud to uh, Bud the Chud, pivoting towards the uh, reductive rating round here. This one honestly kind of ended up in a little bit of like the low, the low two-ish area for me. Honestly, I uh, I I would say the higher two if I felt like there was a little bit more just like demonstrable energy behind the the, the filmmaking or something like if there was like if i felt like these people were interested in actually flexing on making some zombie set pieces or doing some comedy physical gag sequences but they really don't feel like they they are it really does seem like you know it's a sequel in name only affair where they were like Mm -hmm. someone has written a sort of return of the living dead movie and what if we were like we did it in because it's trendy. What if we did like a 80s comedy? What if we did like a weekend at Bernie's thing with it? You know, that would be really funny. And then all of a sudden they some poor screenwriter was like, uh, uh, the, the, he's chudified. Oh, the chudism. And now it's a chud movie. And and on some level, I feel like if maybe if I had seen this uh, in the like VHS era, I might be like a little bit more charmed by just how baffling it is that this like exists. And and again, I won't say it's like completely without charm at all. Like Garrett Graham mugging as Bob from Day of the Dead doing stuff around town is definitely fun. There are a couple jokes here and there that of, of just inherently of the situation that do kind of land. But it's just every time I'm like, man even when it is conceptually funny and you could see how a filmmaker could make it funny. Like you have Robert Vaughn chewing ridiculous lines about chuds and shooting bazookas (laughs) at zombie teens at burger joints. And you're like, how is this not a funnier movie? Yeah, like, yeah. how is this not a more satirical movie? Like, as Andrew put it, how are they not leaning into the military satire and the, like, doing a funny Romero movie or something where, like, look at how incompetent they are and how ridiculous this is? Or if you're not going to do that, how are you at least not leaning into the horror and doing some effects work and at least getting us to, like, Night of the Demons territory where at the, you know, I those also have very unlikable teen characters and it's a little bit more interesting when all of a sudden the movie hatefully starts murdering them all and turning them into fucking you know body horror monsters and things like that and it's just i don't know it it, there's all these things you could see that it could aspire to be and it really just doesn't put in the work to do any of that and that's before you even start comparing it to the first one where you're just like oh this looks like shit it looks cheap it doesn't have (laughs) great new york city locations it's a fucking anonymous california the creature effects and violence, not great. There is no, it's a basically a PG movie on every level, except for the actual rating it got. Yeah. Um, Which is and, still bizarre. Yeah, I don't to know. Me. <laughs> it is bizarre. And, and just every instinct it has is to <clears throat> lazily lean into the late eighties teen comedy movie in just like the worst way possible. And every so often they accidentally hit like a kind of funny pun or Mm. a ridiculous theme song that does sort of play like a parody of other theme songs. Uh, But it does, as Andrew put it, I think like really feel like they are leaning into, we are making a cult movie. Um, Yeah. And anytime that happens, it's just, it almost never works. 
it's it's a surefire way to make sure that you actually haven't <laughs> yeah exactly like like, like, like it comes like, off worth, so like, cynical even if it isn't even maybe they were having a blast yeah. on set but because it's the, the idea is to already make kind of a shitty movie it just it never works it just never does you have to be genuinely yeah. into it and just fail that's how you make a good shitty movie <laughs> exactly <laughs> totally yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but I but the last thing in my notes that I will say, and I did appreciate, and I don't know who it was, I don't know if it was a filmmaker or a writer or just a production design guy, there is a nice little shout-out to John Huston in this film. Yes. When the zombies are going by the movie theater, there's a little marquee for his uh, posthumously released final film called The Dead. And that is actually a l- kind of a clever joke obviously yeah. because that would have been a recent thing that had just come out it was a movie being released after our, the man had passed away and you know it was it was kind of a you know it's a, a kind of movie that a lot of people don't talk about so i was just like you know what that's a nice little shout out to him so i don't know who it was maybe it was just some set dresser guy but mm-hmm. it was nice awesome yeah i uh yeah i'm right there with you i think i'm like i'm also giving it a, a two it's just th- there's a couple gags in here that work and you do see some of them that they're going for they just it, it feels either cynically made or like they were trying to make something bad and it just that just doesn't work it never does uh garrett graham i think is trying his best here and there are some moments that really work uh for him um it's it is very juvenile the way that he has to go about his performance, but he's much like Robert Vaughn actually doing something <laughs> as opposed to a lot of the other performances. Like Brian Robbins is just uh, just kind of annoying. Uh, Bill Calvert <laughs> plays the Kevin as like the most pathetic nerd ever. And so you just can't even get behind him, which usually is pretty easy to do. Uh like I, I very rarely do I not am I not like going for the underdog here, but it it just I don't know the the, the teenage uh, characters are just incredibly stupid and annoying to a point that you really just want them to become chuds. <laughs> so it gets uh, it, that I didn't like, but I, I do wish they focused more on Robert Vaughn because he is selling it. He's the only one that seems yeah. to have his head wrapped around the kind of movie Robert that they're Vaughn in. Robert Vaughn versus Garrett Graham, the movie, uh, just a, a double header. Yeah, that right would have been totally. Sick, you know? Yeah, that would have worked <laughs> way better. That would have worked way better. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't have much else to say. I just, I think this could have been funnier um, they have their moments. It's just it doesn't land. And and like I said, it, like uh, quite a few times uh, throughout the actual review, those bush gags constantly going on <laughs> just make me so mad. I think I'm gonna have nightmares about them now. I just like every single time there was a fucking poodle just like come over here, and then they didn't do anything with it. It was just rumbling bushes. I was I was so mad. And even show when they, me a mangled dog. The first chud knew that. Yeah, something. Yep. Yeah, like something. Right? And yeah. even when they do like they switch it. Like for instance, when a guy goes behind a dumpster and they have the same gag, but now it's just behind a fucking dumpster. Oh, yeah, but the dumpster shakes. A yeah, like, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Like it's what's, what's just, doing back there? it's it's bizarre to have no creativity when it comes to to the like the zombies overtaking. It's 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 I've never seen lazier like set pieces in that regard when it comes to zombies and and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, it's it's a two. I still had you know a few laughs here and there, some fun here and there, but it's few and far between. So I wouldn't really recommend it. For you, Andrew. Uh, yeah, now I'm kind of like, you know, probably around like a high two, but it is a mm-hmm. two. I mean, this movie is just, it's just the silliest and it's lazy silliness, which I, I cannot abide by. <laughs> it also, you know, funny thinking on like the theme song 
It also has a vibe of another movie that has a theme song and kind of around the same time, a little before this, um, Weird Science, which is, you know, another like, ooh, we've kind of bungled an experiment and there's a much better song playing. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just two like sort of goofuses uh, sort of reminded me of that. Also interesting thinking about like sequels in name only. That is like the recipe for the vast majority of that fucking Hellraiser franchise. That is like True. someone wrote a, a script for like some, you know, dastardly horror film. And then someone was like, you know, if you put some Cenobites in that, that's a Hellraiser movie. Um, and that's, you know, what this was, right? Like, you know, if you say Chud a bunch, it's a Chud yeah. movie. Which yeah. is funny because like, how are you pulling a cash grab on something that famously made no cash? It's a it's a weird strategy. And also yeah. the Hellraiser movies put the Cenobites in it. They right. didn't put the Chud <laughs> in it. They just stuck right. with the zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. At least Pinhead shows up for those movies. You're totally Yeah, right. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely throwing that in my, my last little minute here is no Chuds. Like no actual Chuds. What right. is going on? <laughs> You have Chud twice in the name. Yeah. yeah. And there's not a Chud. Yeah. Double the Chud in the title. No Chuds in the movie. Come on. What are we doing? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that is going to wrap it up for this week. That was Chud from 1984 as well as Chud 2, Bud the Chud from 1989. I, I, it's still tongue It is fun to say. I'll, I'll um, give him that. It is. Oh, yeah. It's, fun it's title. kind of a fun name. I wish the movie was better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, thanks so much, Andrew, for joining us and for bringing these uh, films with you and lending us your your Chud expertise, yes. your Chud oh, studies. Yeah. I expect a a class to be uh, engaged with at, at some point. Oh, absolutely! Um, you are you are well prepared now. No, thanks for having me, guys. This was awesome. Fun finally getting on. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. No, we're very glad to uh, have you. But this is the part of the show where we've got you uh, plugging anything. If there's anything going on, what's going on in We Hate Movies World? I know you guys are looking at uh, Heading Cali Way, where they shot. Chud That's too, right. And, you know, are you, are you going to visit any locations? On, yep. On, on <laughs> we do have some travel days. So I, you know, have some off time. I plan on visiting all the Chud 2 locations. <laughs> um, Amazing. Take all the photos for sure. Oh, yeah. This is, tour. this is where Brian Robbins was hitchhiking. Uh, oh, this is the gymnasium <laughs> where the pool used to be. They paved it over. It's a basketball court now, but that's the famous yeah. Chud 2 pool. Uh, this is where he brushed his mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, this is where the poodle attacked. Oh, and this was where the poodle also attacked. Here's um, one of the several yeah, those, bushes. These are, these are just the same bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The next couple of pages of pictures are just bushes. It's just bush photos. <laughs> we couldn't. What? Yeah, the actual bushes aren't there anymore. So we have these photos of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, we are going out to California. We'll be uh, in San Francisco on the 18th talking uh, Star Trek IV, uh, The Voyage Home, one of my personal Ooh. faves. Uh, and then uh, on, on the 22nd of May, we will be in Los Angeles back at the Hollywood Improv talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito classic Twins. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I will say that that's a low ticket alert gang for our, our California friends. That's uh, maybe even by the time this drops, it might be sold out. I don't know. So you want to get a move on that Ooh, over to uh, yeah, whmpodcast.com. And then, of course, our other big thing is always... Uh, it is our Patreon where we release uh, a slew of bonus content, including shows where we cover various uh, parts of the Star Wars world, uh, various parts of the Marvel world. Uh, we also do some We Love Movies episodes on there. So, like, 
you know, arguably good movies or just things we really like. We talk about on there. That's all at uh, patreon.com slash we hate movies. And um, every Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts, we do our uh, our regular We Hate Movies show. Uh, That's right. And yeah. hopefully we have listeners who, have, you know, I've done two oh, episodes yeah. over there. We did yeah. Stone Cold uh, and uh, 10 to Midnight. Bronson Classic. <laughs> Bronson. That's the one with the wiggling a dildo yes, in yeah. his yeah. face. Here's uh, the dildo. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you do with this? You jack off. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's what it is. Uh, and also uh, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash we hate movies. We do a show there every Monday at noon Eastern called On Screen Live. That is where we're talking about uh, stuff we're seeing in theaters. We go over uh, box office analysis. Uh, we react to trailers, all sorts of stuff with more, uh, you know, Damn. contemporary new movies. Stuff like that. The, the boys are doing it all over. Busy yeah. beavers we are, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> definitely, definitely go check out We Hate Movies. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, but yeah. just in case they haven't, you got to Give it a shot. Now. You got to do it. Yeah, for uh, for our listeners, uh, as Jamie mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be back in one week's time over on the Patreon feed where we are going to be going Travolta mode, as mm. he mentioned. And we are going to be talking uh, some grim dramas a little bit or some bleaker dramas anyway. We're going to be talking Saturday Night Fever, of course. Oh, yeah. Because uh, yep. we somehow have never covered it and we wanted to get some of that uh, that that grit. And it is for people who maybe are unfamiliar. It is like a little bit of a, a uh, harder to watch movie than you might expect. That is yeah. a movie where uh, so. it's pop culture footprint. Uh, much like we were talking about this on our Planet of the Apes episode. That movie's pop culture footprint similarly does not correctly uh, represent what the film is. That yeah, goes for Saturday Night Fever and Planet of the Apes. <laughs> but Jesus with Saturday Night Fever, that is a grim ass movie. Oh, yeah. I, exactly. I said it already, I think the last week, but the I, I sat down and watched it, I don't know, a year or two ago. And I was expecting way more lightheartedness. I thought it was almost a comedy and uh, yeah. it's not. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. It's very good. Yeah, well, we, we wanted to do that because we've been meeting for a while since uh, Sean Fennessy brought it up on the podcast with us when we were talking about Colossus, the Forbin Project. We wanted to talk about James Bridges and because we haven't explored much James Bridges films. And uh, he did a, a, a big film actually with Travolta called Urban cowboy mm -hmm. so it came out just a couple years later it seemed actually kind of partially inspired by like where it is kind of like a little bit of a 70s character piece but instead of hitting the disco floor he's hitting the honky-tonk cowboy bars <laughs> sweet um and it turns into a little bit of a d dark domestic drama from there so that's what we're going to be talking about next week over on the patreon feed to set us up for a very special guest uh, uh, joining us, someone uh, who programs here in Toronto and has a series uh, of, of, of films going on that we are going to sort of co uh, you know talk about with. Uh, we're going to talk about a James Bridges film from 1984 called Mike's Murder, okay, uh, which I haven't seen, don't know anything Me about. Neither. Seems pretty underrated. But The Pairing is a film I have heard of, and I actually recently got the uh, Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray for it. It's called Heartbreakers from 1984, starring uh, Peter Coyote and directed by Bobby Roth, which also seems pretty underrated. But I was looking at the back of the, of the, of the disc here, and it was like, this is before working with Martin Scorsese, by the way, oh. uh, shot by uh, uh, Michael Bauhaus, Ooh. Um, oh, cool. who uh, was Fassbender's cinematographer and would, throughout the rest of that decade, shoot like Color of Money, um, After Hours, and I think Last Temptation of Christ. So Heartbreakers is shot by him, and the score is Tangerine Dream. Ooh, oh, that's, uh, there that's you go. following up good. Risky Business. 
And this is a film that has like 600 logs Holy and shit. is pretty hard to find from what I can tell. So I'm very glad that I got the Blu-ray and I might even have to somehow get send that over to Jamie so we can watch <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, these are two movies I haven't heard of. And one of these uh, films, actually Heartbreakers, I think is going to be screening in Toronto shortly after we do this episode. So we are kind of uh, setting it up for any listeners who can make a screening like that. We're going to be talking about with the the uh, programmer who is uh, doing that screening. So awesome. that's what we're going to be doing in uh, two weeks time. We're going more like seven gritty seventies, eighties dramas is kind of the, yeah. the route, but uh, yeah. So uh, for anyone interested, patreon.com slash these podcast. And obviously uh, over on the main feed where you're already listening for two weeks time. But that being said, that wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much for listening and keep it easy. Keep it sleazy, everybody.